Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The Echo says in the front page this morning, Halloween is yesterday's news. Uh, the holly bow's on sale, and that means that we have a straight run now from here until Christmas, which is great news. And I got my own copy of the holly bow this morning. That artist, Keith Anderson, whose artwork features on the front of this year's holly bow, it's the Southgate Bridge. It's the most beautiful piece I've seen in years. In fact, there's a double page spread on the artist, Kevin Anderson, who apparently in a former life was a construction worker, multi-talented guy. Um, there's a double page spread inside the Holly Bell of some other beautiful pieces that he's done. Uh, wonderful, wonderful oils. I think also it's like pastels and and, and maybe even some, I don't know, maybe some uh, inks and things like that from all over Cork. It's beautiful. So that's great to see and celebrate that the Holly Bow is out and we have a straight run to Christmas. All the dates for your calendar, 1st of February, they're suggesting. Apparently, the Sunday Times did some sort of a poll and the consensus of opinion from everybody, uh, or the majority of people anyway. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it myself because I think who wants a bank holiday in February? I mean, God almighty with the weather. But the St. Bridges Day will form part of the pandemic bonus for frontline workers and the public. Do you notice how they're putting it now? Frontline workers and the public. So February 1st, apparently, Leo Varadkar seems to be kind of half interested in having an extra long St. Patrick's weekend. So maybe it's not quite over the line just yet. A bit like the Cork Limerick motorway, which isn't over the line yet. In fact, the examiner was saying this morning that the plan could be pushed into the slow lane. Uh, you won't be driving on any kind of a Cork Limerick motorway in the next five years anyway. That's for sure. You will be on the McCroom bypass because that's absolutely flying along. And the papers this morning also talk of other forms of transport. And it was a story, of course, that we had on this program about 10 days ago, maybe a little more, when we were talking to the NBRU um, boss, General Secretary, Corkman Dermot O'Leary. So the papers carry on with that story today because even the Taoiseach's got involved now. He says he's going to beat the scourge of thuggery on trains. And apparently many, many staff now are completely stressed to the gills. Some of them are out on sick leave because of constant harassment and intimidation. They say in the papers this morning, and it's a quote of Dermot O'Leary, says that people working on the train, train hosts, are no longer gobsmacked at all by people taking drugs anymore. That's such a regular occurrence. People shooting up in toilets, cocaine being snipped from tables. This is a regular occurrence. And while, of course, everybody feels for the staff on Irish Rail, how in the name of God must fellow passengers feel, particularly you guys, if you're travelling up and down by train? Uh, any experiences to share? Text 0868104106. But, of course, COVID continues to keep the pressure and keep its foot on our throat, if you like, certainly within hospital settings. The mail this morning surge in COVID is putting pressure on health workers. There's an awful lot of them that just can't come to work because... Um, they're sick. Uh, some of them, many of them physically with COVID and what have you. Others just completely run down. Uh, the number of health staff missing due to COVID has doubled to 3,000 500 now and it's doubled in just 10 days. Of course they keep uh, telling us of the positive numbers across the country and they keep telling us of more importantly I think the amount of people who are in hospital so we got 500 in hospital and we got 93 in ICU and of course we've had um, a bit of a yo-yo over the past few days with regards to numbers but other figures that remain consistently higher of course are trolley figures and the mail also deals with that uh, on trolley watch with the amount of people who've been on trolleys. They actually added up for this year by comparison to last year. So, so far this year, 54,500 on trolleys compared with the same time last year, 45,000 people on trolleys. Um, Tony Houlihan makes the papers today as well in the Times. He says it's, uh, it's still safe for schools to return, which is kind of weird when you look at the 
age profiles of those that are testing positive. But climate change, I won't spend too much time on it because there are entire radio stations now and television channels that are just dealing with COP at the moment. Uh, the COP26 summit, that's underway um, as they expect to set ambitious pledges for emissions cuts, which is kind of... Uh, a good way to be when you think of it but why in the name of God would Russia not turn up for COP26? Why in the name of God would China not turn up for COP26? Would they not need to cop on and take it a bit more seriously? But all of the papers deal with it today. We've had uh, the last seven years have been the hottest on record. Not quite sure how far records go back. If you go back far enough, um, you know, really far back, you can go back to uh, the 1600s when uh, we had uh, years and years of uh, freezing cold temperatures in a row uh, and much of it then was uh, you know resulting not only in the lock freezing regularly which doesn't happen anymore because water flows in and out of it but the Lee actually flow froze for a long time they actually put a festival on the River Lee just off St. Patrick's Bridge way back in the day it went on for months and then there's an interesting one from the courts I won't go into too much detail um, but it's a judge who said that a man was before him telling bald-faced lies this chap had had, um, uh, had uh, crashed his car apparently uh, and apparently disappeared into the woods. He came out then and was arrested by guards. But what's interesting to me is the story that he told them. He, um, he said and he told the court that he actually had been in bed that night uh, and that he got out of bed to give a man whose surname he didn't know, whose phone number he subsequently lost, he got out of bed to give him a lift back to Cloyne. But he said this unnamed man then hit him in the face when he refused to drive him to Ballycotton instead and that's why he ended up crashing the car. He said after the crash, he could no longer find the passenger. So he said he went into the nearby woods looking for him. And then he returned to the car. There, he said, he found a shopping bag left by the man with whiskey or gin in the bag. And he drank the whiskey or gin because he was in shock to cope with the shock. The guard didn't believe, oh, or sorry, the guard certainly didn't believe him. And the judge certainly didn't. Disqualified him from driving for three years and a 400 euro fine with six months to pay. I'd say sometimes judges must just roll their eyes to heaven. And then there's the story of uh, the prison officer who was so drunk escorting a prisoner that he fell down the stairs uh, by all accounts and there's a major investigation now into that and it's a front pager making the star today and if you were out trick-or-treating for Halloween last night I hope it went well for you uh, but apparently um, there is a particular Catholic priest who was absolutely dead set against Halloween dressing up for children because he says it's an avenue into the occult I suppose it's glorifying the devil himself. So Catholic schools, he said, should be focusing on celebrating the saints instead of the demons. Uh, because he says that describing, he describes children dressing up as demons and devils as a complete betrayal of Christian faith and an avenue to the occult. My God, is there no way that kids can have fun anymore considering what they've been through? There was no trick or treat last year. So at least there was this year. And also, just bear in mind, uh, there's always surveys out there that counteract each other. So I'm quite sure that another will come out next week saying this one is wrong. But they say now that dating apps, those of you that meet and marry or couple up through dating apps, are six times more likely to get divorced. But they also have a survey from the Mirror at the weekend that talks about British people's most bizarre fears. Now, we know of fears of heights and spiders and snakes and enclosed spaces and dentists and ghosts and the dark 
bark and all of that stuff, whatever happened yourself. But did you know that there are also people out there who have other kind of fears, like, for instance, the fear of tin openers. They've actually put a name on it. Uh, and the fear of small holes, which also has a name, niagophobia. Um, or another one, nomophobia, which is real, actually. Nomophobia is real. It's the fear of being without your mobile phone. Absolute pure and utter panic. Why do we panic? And I suppose if it's work-related, you might. There's even a fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. <sighs> Give up. I was telling you last week that Cully and Sully have a new soup out. It's delicious. You need to pick it up in the shelves. It's lentil and smoked bacon. But apparently Heinz have come up with Christmas dinner in a tin. I don't know whether you'd call it a soup. It's probably not because it's got all of the bits in it, like it's got the Brussels sprouts, it has the stuffing, it has little bits of turkey. I don't think we go for it here, but in the UK on Christmas Day, they have a thing called pigs in blankets, which is sausage wrapped in bacon, isn't it? I'm open to correction of that. That's all inside in the tin in a meaty, in a meaty, uh, in a meaty broth. But they've only apparently made 500 cans of it. But I think that they're hinting that if it takes off, uh, they'll roll it out in huge numbers. Now, I have to say... I would love a can of Heinz um, big Christmas dinner soup. I really would, just for the, you know, just for the sheer nosiness of what it would taste like. I would just love it. In fact, I love anything in a tin. And there was um, a story making the uh, red tops as well today. Of uh, I won't spend too much time on it, but if you're a fan of Jaws, then you need to pick up. Uh, God dang, I don't know which one it is. I could take a punt and say it was the mirror, but I'm not sure which paper it was. And I'll check for you. But if you're a fan of Jaws, I'll check it out because it's actually um, more likely to be renamed as Flaws for the amount of things that went wrong. It was such an incredible movie. They had awful trouble trying to get it finished, cut and out into cinemas. It was a super new book now by Ian Shaw, whose father was Robert Shaw, who played Quint in the movie. Um, and it was made back in 1975. And I tell you something, um, because of Robert Shaw alone, you'd be lucky, you know, they were lucky to even get the movie finished because he was constantly getting into trouble with crew, getting into trouble and fighting with fellow cast members. And everywhere he went, he was toting a bottle of whiskey with him. So that's an interesting one. I'll find out which red top it was, and I'll come back to you on it a little later on this morning. But something that I do want to talk about today with Mary Crilly uh, and you guys too is the amount of spiking that's going on and it was an issue in the UK with needles but now apparently it's here as well with the front page of the Echo saying that a UCC student uh, was needle spiked with drugs the weekend and is begging and warning others to be vigilant on nights out. She was in Limerick um, and posted on Instagram over the weekend about her experience. She says, things are getting out of hand. I remember nothing and if it wasn't for my friends, my scenario could have been much worse. It's bad enough now in the UK that many women are boycotting nightclubs until they get a handle on it. I think we'll come to a stage where they'll have the same kind of security clearance in nightclubs as they do going through airport security. And if that's what's needed, then that's where we need to go. Um, because this is just gone insane. I don't know if you've ever been spiked, whether it was roofie or a tablet thrown into your drink or indeed... Uh, spiked by a needle. Uh, but if so, I'd love to hear from you. Text 0868104106. So I will return to that. Straight to the phone lines we go. Christy O'Donovan is with Cork City Missing Persons Search and Recovery. More fantastic work by that organization over the weekend. A story from East Cork. Christy, good morning. 
morning, Neil. How are you getting on? Yet another call out from you for you guys and your uh, your volunteer service. Uh, a poor misfortunate woman found with hypothermia in Bogland. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the, we got a phone call there on Friday night at about quarter past nine from the Gardaí in Middleton to say that there was a, a search after commencing for um, a missing um, elderly lady in her seventies. In the in, on the bog road on the way to Baddy Cotton right. in that area, yeah. it was very heavy ground. It is it's 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 yeah, and just trying to be covering it the best of time. What was the weather like? It was that area, you know. What was the weather like that night? It was it was it was it was had been raining. We say on and off. It was very bad flooding down that direction. Um, but um, it had been raining on and off. I'd say for the most of that day, but. It had dried off. We, we got to call it quarter past nine. We were on scene no, at quarter past ten. It was ten of our lads. We were met below with the uh, Ballycotton Coast Guard were, were down there and so we're guiding Coast Guard and there was a um, there was Gary there from Middleton as well. So we arrived on there at about yeah, about quarter past ten I'd say. So we were, we we we, we got met in Ballin the Mona Beach, that seemed to be the area of interest that she was last seen. So there was drones had been put up and stuff, but the rain had forced them to land and stuff, but just the drones went up from Ballycotton Coast Guard to get an aerial view of the terrain, yeah. Yes, yeah, we had one ourselves, so we want to stick that in the air. But just before we got, we, we had one as well, but just before um, just before we want to put it up in the air, there was we heard a shout in the distance, in the middle, we could see his flash lamps in the distance, and there was a radio call went into the the, the lads in Ballycotton to say that they had located the missing person in the, in the bogland. So we, we I wouldn't be familiar with that and my wife walks over she says it's very sticky so um we asked her how bad it was and they said it's heavy going in there. So when we uh, we arrived up we went up towards Baddy Cotton Village past on the road, the the Baddy Cotton Coast Guard, Guiding Coast Guard ourselves and the guards, uh, headed off across the fields towards where the flash lamps were and um sure enough the poor lady she was stuck up to her waist in she was horrendous conditions it was it was like something it's like super glue in there Trevor you're joking up, up, to waist, up to her waist in what water in, and boggy mucky mud, or pure bog or just, mud. It, it was like super glue it was like super, you know the sand flats there you, you see them there in, in roaches down there when the tide goes out you see this, like that kind of stuff which is all reeds and stuff so she was she was bedded in there there was no way there was no way of getting her out on this People prepared to, to, to wade in to get her. So, in fairness, two Betty Cotton Coast Guard lads had waded in. And I remember on Gabba Shea Khan had waded in up to their, which is up, up, well up above their, their waist into this stuff. It's impossible to navigate it. So, it took, there was about 30 people on the scene. It was a few local people below there as well. And it took all of those people to extricate her from where she was on a stretcher to get her up into the field. Um, Imagine trying to get her physically out. I mean, that must have been. Oh, sure. They had to, they had to dig her out, Neil. They, they was, so well, well, they, they, there was no point putting any more people into that the three guys that were there seemed to have a, a bit of control over what was going on in fairness them. so they rendered first aid they, they put a uh, five blanket around her and bits and pieces to, to get to keep some bit of heat in her um, she was very disorientated she does, she does she has very very little English she's a lovely person but she's very little English so they were trying to console her um, so they decided to send out a, a stretcher tour on ropes so they set up a pulley system so it was ropes flying everywhere. Um, out, into the, out into this bog anywhere, probably 30 feet out, maybe 40 feet out into the bog at that Incredible. stage. Um, Incredible. So there was a lot of pulling and dragging done, I can tell you. And there's, there's washing machines, I'd say, all over Coxley today <laughs> and County. They're probably refusing to wash what came out of that bog. Listen, it it's a small price to pay because by morning, Absolutely. if she hadn't been found, Absolutely. we could be talking about a totally different scenario. What oh, time was, would have been different, Yeah, what time Alan? was that at? We got to call a quarter past nine. I think she was last seen somewhere, somewhere shortly after six o'clock. She was out, she was out walking her dog. 
My God. And I'd, I'd say she just, got, because it got dark, if she went down to the beach and it got dark, I think she just lost the way and she, I, I, from what I can see of it, it looked like she was following the lights back towards uh, the houses just outside Belly Cotton Village. And time did they, like she went, yeah, yeah. So she just got off track, is it? Or what do you think? She got off track. I, yeah, she, she, we were talking to her daughter um, after we extricated her from the bog. All the different crews extricated from the bog. All the first aiders. So we have three or four first aiders. The coast get up have, have first aiders, first responders. Um, so have um, the Gardaí. So anyone that had first aid training, they took over then. So um, we had to cut the clothes off. Obviously, she was freezing she was she was hypothermic at that stage she was freezing cut the clothes off wrapped her in five blankets some of the local people brought down every blanket they had in their houses in fairness to them uh, wrapped her up packed her up ready to go and um, the decision was made at that stage then that she needed to be transported sooner rather than later so what time um, did you get her out yeah. at? pardon we got her out she was out at about she was located at about 20 past about 20 past 10 Neil at night and uh she was probably out of it maybe I'd say maybe just shortly after 11 we, we all managed to get her out of the bog at that stage and to hospital so it took a, yeah we, so it took about another 15 minutes then to, to, to prepare her for transport we'd say for the want of a better word um, she was starting to come around in fairness her, her grand her, her grand my god was, 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 was actually graduating graduating UCC on Saturday so she she found it she's fantastic and so she was interpreting so was a daughter lovely people well she could have if she, if she had, oh absolutely because if she'd been left there overnight for instance she would have lost strength she'd have lost consciousness she'd have slipped below the water or below the mud what happened to the dog any idea of the dog no this is the dog when, when Tom went into bed there was no bother with him he was he was, he was, he was, he was perfect when he got home in there he, he came home the road but I'd say well, did he stay with her? I'm just curious. Did he stay with her? Or what? Not at all. Not at all. He wasn't loyal at all. He just headed for. He just headed for the hills. They he say the, he for the hills. They say the dogs will stay with their owner, their loved one, right? You yeah. know, until the bitter end. They say. Well, of course, the dog. Of course, the dog headed for the hills because the dog was getting cold. Well, it's only when the dog walked in the door, they realised that. This poor, this, this, this poor lady was after. But can we return home? Can, can we spin the, the story, with. say, and say it was the dog went home to alarm everybody else, like Lassie used to do? Then I suppose you could treat that. We have a dog. We have a dog here. Like tell you anything for nothing. Just not. <laughs> he'd run away if, if it happened. Then he'd be gone and home. We would give a damn where I'd be lying. You know. What a fantastic result! And it I was. It, and there was there was no way she was going to be left in that bog over, overnight because the lads there from Barry Cotton Guidi and ourselves in the Gary and Middleton Jesus to. We all worked together there and we'd, we'd have stayed out there Jesus, for as long as it took to get her out, you know? I, I believe every word you're saying, you certainly would. Is it common practice now for your organisation and your group to just be automatically called by guards, Cork Missing um, Persons? Well, a lot of, well, we're, we're on a few to call out lists for different stations and stuff, but um, like it, it, it's about getting bodies on the ground is, is, is really what we have. We have, a, we have 13 volunteers now. We've, we've added another two to that, to our, to our list, we'll say so. Um, so we're, we're, we're pretty much ready to go when the phone rings. So we're getting more and more call-outs like that. So the results are, the results that, that are coming back are is, is a lot more um, positive outcomes, you know. Brilliant. So we Brilliant. obviously get the, the, the side calls as well. But, sure I know. Um, you have the added sonar equipment now off the side of the ribs and everything. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. We have that thermal imaging drone as well, which is after paying for itself twice already. So, Do you have know, any luck so. trying to find premises? Do you remember we were chatting about that some time ago? Well, we're we're looking at um, we're being in contact with um, the council and with um, the Port Cork, and it looks like we're 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 making we're making headway 
it's from that point of view there it looks like the old old shed there on the, the green shed there on the key I believe is is, is, the, is the place that would probably suit it wouldn't it would suit perfectly suit quick, access, quick, quick access to water for you and everything oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, and there's access out of the water to actually get into it. Fantastic. Up to it and stuff, you know? Fantastic. So, fingers crossed, it'll, it'll all come to fruition. I know that I've been, we've been in contact there with the council and, and, and with um, Michael McGrath. Well, and, um, good luck with that. You guys, the guards, Ballycotton, Guileen Coast Guards, and uh, everybody else, a retired GP who came to the scene, you all, re- right, you all was, saved a life. Went into his driveway. We, we actually went into his driveway, and the poor man, I say he thought it was like, it was like the, 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 the closing council was a third kind. <laughs> He came, he came out of the house there was lights there were people all over his garden and there he was this lady wrapped up in, in, in a stretcher on top of a stretcher and he came out somebody, somebody from the village knew him and they said well they gave her, give her the once over so we did okay for transport to the hospital and he came out he stuck the stethoscope on her I said are you happy that we take her to the hospital and the girl said are you happy that we take her to the hospital I said yeah no bother and we had a blue light escort all the way to COH and she was in COH 35 minutes later and happy to say, to finish our conversation, that she was reportedly discharged from hospital on Saturday. So she well was done. talking to her daughter, and well she done. was she was she was at home. I said they were cleaning mud out of the poor lady for for days. I said to come even, you know. Oh, well, thank God for that. But it was a good thank result. It was a, it was a very good result. Fantastic. Well, well done. everyone that was involved in it, I can say to the from Guilin and, and from from um, Cotton and to the Guardian Middleton, they played a blinder, an absolute okay. blinder, and our okay. own lads as well. Well done. Chat again soon. Take care, Christy. Cheers, Thanks, so Thanks so much. Christy O'Donovan, Cork City Missing Persons Search and Recovery. Thank God for that. Their, their presence and everybody else's along with them made all the difference. Stay, saved a life. Back after the break, text 0868 104 106. Text the Neil Brenderville Show now. 086 8104 Red FM. Uh, that book I was referencing there earlier on by Ian Shaw, the father of Robert Shaw, who played Quint in Jaws, is a double page spread making the sun today. Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Um, this is uh, the story I referenced there uh, when I was having a look at the newspapers and online stories this morning. A Cork student has posted about an incident where she got spiked by a needle in a Limerick nightclub, Cork student over the weekend. And she's urging women to be vigilant. There's been an increase in these types of incidents around Ireland and the UK in recent months. And she's quoted as saying uh, on her, I think it was possibly on her Instagram page, she said, so I got spiked via needle this weekend. I normally wouldn't post about this kind of SH, but things are getting so out of hand. I remember nothing from the night. And if it wasn't for my friends, my scenario could have been a lot worse. I beg of you to watch out for your female friends and to take them take them seriously if they feel victim to something like this. I suppose if they start, um, you know, their behavior changes or indeed if they start complaining of being sick or drowsy or unwell. Uh, women in the UK now, and this is a story from last week, are boycotting nightclubs over spiking of drinks. And there have been many, many cases of this. It's quite sinister, actually. Back in the day, uh, there was a thing called Rufinol, there still is, Rufi tablets. And there were always stories of uh, these tablets being dropped into women's drinks. And then, of course, over the years then, I had many conversations uh, with regards to, you know, a guy then trying to take a girl out of the club, pretending to be her friend, pretending to be trying to look after her. And it became a big, big worry. And then, of course, on top of all of that, we had the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork giving its annual report last week. Uh, some shocking statistics with regards to sexual assaults, where they took place, how many of them were known uh, to the victims, the age profiles of those uh, who were engaging in, in sexual assault and rape. Um, and with all that in mind, I'm joined by Mary Crilly, who's the director of the Cork Sexual Violence Centre. She joins me by phone. Mary, good morning. 
Morning, Neil. First, Morning. Of, first of all, um, this this story of the Cork student out of out of Limerick. Do you, are you having anybody present with being um, uh, spiked by needles these days? I wonder. You know, Neil, we're having a few things. We did have one girl present who felt she couldn't remember anything, and most girls who can't remember anything after a night out feel they drank too much or something happened. You know, they don't consider it being spiked because they were with friends. But what we found more are two or three young girls came forward during the week to say that they have pinpricks on their arm or their legs where those guys going around with injections. These guys now would say that they'd never dream of spiking somebody's drink. They wouldn't do that. They're not like that. But this is just for a laugh. And the girls that we'd met who had marks on their body because of, of an injection were horrified and frightened. And whether they continued on with spiking it isn't a point really because it really did put huge fear into them and huge vulnerability and fear about going out again because they felt, well, if somebody can do that to me that quick, maybe I could be spiked. Maybe somebody could get an injection into me. So like, it's to, the, to these guys out there, kind of, I'm saying it's not funny. It's horrific. And it's appalling like what you're up to because spiking has always been a problem, has always been an issue. And this new way of doing it with injections is just horrific. But just for reference there, you're saying that there are guys out who are going out for a laugh. They're regarded as a prank to uh, prick a, a hypodermic needle into a girl. Needles on Absolutely. a syringe, but there's nothing in the syringe. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a minority of them doing it. It's like rape needles. Like there's a minority doing it. And they'll continue to do it. These guys just thought it was hilarious. Why do you have any studies as to why they do that? Is it monkey see, monkey do? They hear of the stories and they think, God, that'd be good for a laugh, wouldn't we? We try that. I think they just distance themselves from the fear they put into people and how vulnerable young women and young men out on night out feel. They're just totally, you know, these guys are the type of guy that feel entitled, that they have everything, that they're arrogant, that nothing would ever happen to them. And sure, what's the big deal? A bit like the guys who will do crude jokes, who will kind of grab women and kind of in whatever way they want to and say, sure, it's only for a laugh. Like, what's your problem? I'm not hurting you. That type of guy. Because, but the other thing is, very few guys, as far as I know, go to nightclubs or pubs on their own. They're with their friends. Their friends know about it. There's other people around them who know they're doing it. And I might say, ah, stop that, it's not funny. They need to do a bit more now than saying, ah, stop that, it's not funny. Mm. Um, they, it just, just needs to be stopped. Because as you see in England, it's got huge and it will go huge here. And it's just awful. The Echo this morning talks of the symptoms that somebody could expect to experience. Are, are you across that as to what happens if you've been injected by, what is it? Is it Rufinol or is it? Is it it's, it's, it's similar. It's very similar. Like a sleeping drug where you're just paralyzed for that kind of time where, you know, you might be able to leave the club with someone or walk out. Um, or people have said they woke up in cars. They don't know how they got there. That kind of stuff. And they might have said, you know, that they did drink too much, that they did drink more than usual. But this has happened before, but they always remember what happens. But this is a total blackout. But enough, um, the guys get them out quick enough out of the club or the apartment or wherever they are so they can be seen leaving and so nothing looks suspicious. So it's not necessarily happening in nightclubs. It could be any kind of social setting, you're saying? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, nightclubs is the best place or pubs where it's packed where people are more vulnerable and where your friend doesn't even realise you're missing. You know, like one girl was saying that she was gone for half an hour and when she came back, her friend said, I'm leaving because I don't know where you've been. Um, now, that, that particularly was a girl who found a mark on, on, on her arm. Nothing had happened, but it was that kind of vulnerability, do you know? And do, do you know if, if, if this particular male then is kind of studying the crowd in an effort to pick out a vulnerable girl? I think they do. I think they do, yeah. Or as, you know, as I said in, in our 
annual report, most people are raped or sexually assaulted by somebody they know. So, I mean, if you're with your group and a stranger's trying to bring you out of the pub, your friends would kind of cop onto that and say, stop it. But it's always somebody who you know and somebody who you trust is bringing you out. Because I think, as you've said before, it's not just the... Um, the perpetrator doesn't just groom the girl, he grooms people around them. So people would feel he wouldn't possibly do hurt her, he wouldn't possibly harm her, and she's safe out, and there's any great to be leaving at this stage to be looking after her. Actually, and, you know what? That, that, that is so true. Majority, is I hate so saying this, because the majority of times the guys are lovely, and are really helping their friends out by taking them out of the pub, or out of the club, or putting them into a taxi, or bringing them home. So I just want to re-emphasise that, that. I do hate saying this in a way, because it feels like, like I'm getting it all, guys, and I'm absolutely not. But the ones who are doing it are consistent and will keep doing it. So stranger danger is a risk, but not a, not in the statistical evidence of 87% of those who are victims of crimes like this, horrific crimes, knew the perpetrator, knew the rapist. Absolutely. 87%. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're safer kind of walking home than you are sometimes in a pub or a club or an apartment or a house party. Because as you see, even with the statistics about where people got raped and 23%, I think, was in their own home and 27% or something that was in the perpetrators. Now, I put that down to during COVID where students um, were maybe in accommodation where they couldn't leave, they couldn't go home, they couldn't go anywhere and they were going in and out of each other's places. And they were having parties. We all know they were having parties. And that's where they were getting sexually assaulted, where they'd feel, you know, we'll have a bit of company tonight, we're only mixing, there's not that many of us. And then, you know, the rapes went on. As you saw from the figures, they were very similar to last year's. You know, the rape wasn't down. It wasn't up hugely, but it wasn't down. So that got rid of the myth of um, girls who get raped or out of the pub or they're walking on their own or they're so drunk they don't know whether they consent or not. You know, this was happening during the day, it was happening in the morning time, it was happening in apartments. It was really happening in places where they lived. And it's really hard for somebody who gets raped in an apartment where they live to be able to stay there. But a lot of times they have to stay there. It's incredible, isn't it? Because they're probably at parties or inviting people around because you're saying that 28% of the assaults took place in their own home or their own shared accommodation. They probably think they're surrounded by friends. Absolutely, because you're with them morning or night. They might be the very people who you're joining the next day for breakfast or for coffee or for a cup of tea or for a walk or something. Do you know when things were so different last year? And and then, you know, think about it, a young girl or a young boy, because, I mean, we do deal with male rape as well, um, has been raped, and they tell everybody else in the apartment, everybody else is shocked, but they don't want to deal with it. So they'll question the victim about how it happened, when it happened. Are you sure you were very drunk? You were all over him. Sure, you even told me you liked him. All this kind of stuff goes on. Um, and the end result of it is that the perpetrator is rarely asked to go. Rarely asked to go. And life can be very difficult for the young woman or the young man who has been raped. Yeah, the issue, of course, is um, uh, consent, isn't it? Um, you know, stop is stop, no is no. You know, um, if, if things are, are getting too far and a girl wants it to stop, it must stop, isn't it? I know that becomes a huge, big issue when it I gets think, to court. I think most guys kind of agree with that and they mightn't want her to stop it and they might get angry with her or, or whatever, but they won't push it. But the guys who um, want to rape don't want consent. That's the whole issue. They don't want consent because they want to have 
total power and total control over what's happening and they're doing it because they can and there's nothing else to it. They're just doing it because they can. There's no deep, deep psychological reason. You know, it's just bullying, it's aggression, it's humiliating, it's all those things. And but it's very you, black and white. Do you, do you have any statistics now with regards to age profiles? Um, you know, particularly over the last two years, are we, are we talking about, very, you know, was there, was there a figure of under the age of 26, I believe? Yeah, I think the majority of ones we saw were under 26. Now, that could have been because they, you know, of COVID and students and all that kind of thing, that that's what was happening to. Um, but I think other people, like, say, you know, we would have come across over the years women in their 40s, 50s who would have been raped maybe by their husband's best friend. Now, they certainly weren't coming forward because they, they'd they nowhere to go. They had the kids at home. Um, I think people had no who had no option of getting help or support or having a bit of space even to talk didn't come forward. I saw some um, um, evidence back in the last week that there have been sexual assaults and rape of people of the age of 80, up to the age of 80. There has been. There has been. And, and I wish, you know, we could, as society, look at rape we would look at if we saw an 80-year-old being raped, how appalled we are, how angry we are, how we see it as totally black and white and how we see that the victim had absolutely no role in what happened. You know, I wish we could look at um, that when we see young men and young women getting raped and see it as black and white instead of this grey area, instead of this, well, maybe she did this, maybe she did that, maybe he didn't mean it. And then, you know, unfortunately, the girls or the young boys who are raped are told by the perpetrator, I didn't mean it. Um, I was on something, um, I had too much to drink, um, I'm sorry, uh, it was an accident. It's never an accident. Uh, it well, really is never when, an accident. When you say that, because you, you just brought up an excuse as being, I was on something. Well, that's not an excuse, of course. Um, a lot of the time, are they on something? I mean, is there is it cocaine? Is it is it is it tablets? Is it, is it morphine? Not, I'm told. Not, not, not from the not from the evidence we have, but I mean, the problem is, like, say, if somebody gets raped and she goes to the sex assault treatment unit and she's tested for toxicology and she's tested for SCIs and all this kind of stuff, similar things doesn't always happen to the guy because by the time um, evidence is gathered to arrest him, unless it's very black and white case. Um, you know, it could be days later or maybe weeks later before he's picked up. But from what we can get from the people in here, they would say, no, he's not on anything. But mm-hmm. he used that as an excuse saying, I drank too much or I'm under too much stress or my exams didn't go well or all this kind of stuff. Now, lots of other guys, exams don't go well. Work isn't going well. Everything else isn't going well. But they don't take no, out somebody no, else's road and rape them. No, they really no, don't. No, 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 you can't join. The guys you out just... there, do you know, they want the good guys to stand up and, and be counted. You actually made a, um, a very impassioned plea last week. I heard you on the news here on Friday morning. Were, were you trying to address men, young men, was it? I was. I was just trying to get through some, like, the implications of rape and sexual assault because I would love if everybody could do what the young guys do when they're going out, get their money, put their wallet in their pocket, um, put their coat on and walk out the door. Where women, when they're going out, they plan their routes, they plan how they're going to get home, they plan everything, they plan not wearing earphones, they plan lots of things. I wish women could do the same thing and feel safe by just putting their coat on and going out. So I am saying to the young guys out there, just keep an eye out because... I know even if you're walking behind somebody, you're probably not even aware of um, how fearful she is because of somebody walking behind her. A lot of guys aren't aware of it, so I'm just saying open your eyes a bit now. You know, you can make the difference. You can really make the changes. So a guy grabs his wallet, puts on his coat um, to go out for a night, and a woman has to plan for um, the uh, what could be a very ferocious, predatory obstacle course on their evening out. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Crazy world, isn't it? It really is. 
It really is. Um, but it's changing. Like, like with all the conversation you and I have had over the past 30 or more years, like things are changing because at least we're talking about it and there's more awareness, you know, and there's more people watching out for each other. It's often still going on, uh, but we have to kind of keep optimistic that we can make a difference. Did you find it very pressurised over the last two years with regards to meeting with victims, meeting with women who had been through horrific circumstances like you dealt with, uh, but yet you couldn't, you know, we had COVID restrictions and things? Well, we found we started using Zoom, which, you know, a lot of people in the counselling profession would have felt this wasn't going to work or, you know, it mightn't be good for deep therapy, but it works very well. In fact, we're still using it. The majority of clients in the centre now, even though we are open up, are still using Zoom because they found a them better. There's no rushing back to get kids. They could get the May have lost Mary Crilly there, unfortunately. I think she was referencing the fact that they did the best they could and they adapted as well as they could by bringing in Zoom because maybe face-to-face wasn't as uh, as readily available over the last and 18... I, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. You were just finishing there on... You were just finishing there. You were just saying time. you adapted to the circumstances, you said. Yeah. I did, and I think it just shows how adaptable clients are because whatever we did, the people who really need the support and the help adapted very well by using phone or using Zoom. But you had 2,300, 2,300 calls. Yeah, yeah. God. But they'd be on text lines, they'd be on, you know, other counsellors, phone lines, and they'd be into the centre. Because we had a lot of, say, I think it was only maybe 30% of those coming in were survivors of child sexual abuse. Usually it's a bit higher. But you had men at home who had been abused as children. You had women at home who were abused as children, who were used to being out and about and working and doing stuff. And all of a sudden you're at home, morning, noon and night, one day rolls into the next, and you're remembering the most horrific stuff. Back come so the monsters like that, and demons, you say? Absolutely. So they were on the phone quite a lot, just looking for support. Maybe weren't ready for counselling, but wanted support, wanted reassurance that they weren't going mad because they were remembering what happened to them and they felt as if the rope had been pulled under for them, from them and they didn't know where, where they were coming or going. So that 2,300 calls, just finally, that was the Greater Cork area, was it, Mary? Yeah, Cork City and County, yeah. That's alarming. Yeah. Listen, thanks so much for taking the call. Okay. Appreciate your time. Nice much obliged you. as always. Uh, okay. Mary Crilly, Director of Cork Sexual Violence Centre. I uh, will give out a mobile number if you wish to get in touch with them and also a web address after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Morning all. Uh, the Cork Sexual Violence Centre is available on a free phone number 1-800-496-496 1-800-496-496 and also you can hook up with them online www.sexualviolence.ie I'll, ca- I'll catch up on your text. Text 0868104106 after 10 but I'm keen to drive on with uh, with calls for now. Jennifer, good morning. Morning, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on air. It's not an easy thing to do, um, but you want to relate a story from last Saturday night regarding your husband. Thank you. Yeah, my yeah, my husband Aidan went out. We normally go out together on and on Saturday night we decided not to go out. Yeah. Um, together he wanted to go out meet a few friends. Okay. And about 11 o'clock he rang me and he said, I'm going for food, do you want me to kill anything? So I said, God, not about it, what I watched. Okay, 11 o'clock, he only went out at 7, so I was like, something must be wrong if you're coming home that early. Because yeah. he normally goes out and has eight or nine sudden comforts and be able to get up for work the next day. So he came out of the chipper and he got wicked dizzy and he rang me back and he said, Jen, I don't feel too good. We live about five minutes away from the chipper. He says, well, I think my drink was spiked. Can you come and pick me up? So I walked down with the dog and I met him outside the 
primary school. He was slurring his words. He was he was he he was like he was light on his feet. Do you know what I mean? Drunk, but he was, he couldn't have been drunk. Do you know what I mean? I know Aiden. Aiden could drink more than I would. I I finish after three points and I go home. But he knows when to stop because he he has work. But like he was a totally different person. He came in. Um. He he couldn't stand. He had to hold up against the wall. He asked for a bowl to be sick in. Um, he literally just flung himself on the couch, sweat pouring off him. And I said to him, he goes, Jen, I think my drink was spiked. Um, and I was like, going, that was it. Like I was like, going, I'm going to ring an ambulance. He said, no, I'll, I'll fight it off myself. So when he got himself sick, when he when he was sick, he kind of came around and he just flung himself on the sofa. And I stayed up all Sunday night waiting for him to come. Did you know, make sure that he was okay? But like it was, it it was frightening. Like I'm, it, the way was he I, very unwell all across Sunday then as well? Completely out of it. Um, he he slept, he slept most of it because because my husband's a farmer assistant, he had to go out and charge cattle. So he he normally gets up about eleven, have breakfast, and head to out to the farm. He didn't go out till quarter past one. He well, he literally cycled to work. I don't know how he done it. Came in at quarter past two and went back into bed till seven o'clock that night. That's not Aiden. Do you know what I mean? You know, he knew there was something wrong. And then he kept retracing his steps and he couldn't remember anything. And then he goes, he only went to two local pubs and the two local pubs, that's the only places we always drink. So he knows for a fact that he left it. With, he left the drink down for friends, with friends, and he thought it was safe. And he literally knows that someone threw something in. But the way we look at it is if it was a young girl, she would have been on the floor. But because Aiden's stocky built, it didn't hit him as bad as it should have. Good God! You know, I know, I know. His drink got spiked and all that, but because he was a man, he was. It, it was a totally different story. Was it a busy it pub? Did you say? Did you recall how busy it was? Was there all sorts oh, of people? Oh yeah, all no, sorts they, of were they literally weren't leaving people in. It was only table. Like if unless you had a friend at a table, they weren't letting you in. Do you know what I mean? They were stopping you at the door. You could sit. There was no the like. There's no gathering at the pub or group or gathering at the counters anymore. No, at least no, shouldn't no. Be. You literally walk. You like we were to the Saturday before it. And they not they literally wouldn't let us in, but we had friends inside, so they left us in. They had a table, but once the table is full, more than six people, you're not. They won't let you sit in it. What's that about? Because like? normally, literally, normally he could hold his drink. I mean, you said he could do eight or nine Southern Comforts oh, and get up he in the morning. Oh, he could do the Southern Comfort and get up at six o'clock in the morning. Like last Wednesday night, we went out for date night, and he drank more than I did, and he didn't go to bed till two, and he got up at six to go to work. After drinking nearly a half bottle of Southern Comfort, and would he, you know, would he normally eat well during the day? I'm just trying to wonder oh, whether yeah, he hadn't any food I mean, in him or anything. I mean, you know, I, mean, I I made him a big dinner. That's what he. That's what he always does. Like, do you know what I mean? He has a dinner. He knows. I have have my dinner. I know how much I can take. I know when to stop. Like he literally goes to work. Like he go to bed at three o'clock after about like when the pubs were closed on a Wednesday night. We used to get a bottle of Southern Comfort. And we used to drink it, and he used to go to, used, used to go to bed at six, not go to bed till three, and get up for six for work, and not even a hangover. Do you know what I mean? He knew you, you. He knows himself, like when to stop, and he has worked like some man if he can survive on three hours sleep after the bones of a bottle of Southern Comfort. Oh my God, no! That's why I said I die. I literally die for week, for three or four days, and he literally can go. There's no pinprick marks on him or anything like that. I mean, because no, no, he okay. knows. It's pity he didn't go to A and E because they'd have taken bloods and maybe found well, he something. Does, Aiden's like that. Aiden didn't doesn't want didn't. All right. Aiden, yeah. Aiden had a bad the last six weeks of depression and that. Like, do you know what I mean? And he just didn't 
he just said, I'll fight it out. He's a typical man. I, I'm, I'm okay. You know, Jen, just make sure that you check on me and I'm okay. That's it's just that's Aiden. Aiden's always been like that. Was it Q and the chipper and then I don't know? No, no, he rang in with the order beforehand and Amazing. He was yeah, he was literally he literally went to our local and another local and that was it. And that was it. And he was sitting with friends and at one point he said he left a drink down with a bouncer to make sure it was safe so he could go out for a fag and he thinks with the bouncer must have left left it and someone must have thought it was a girl's drink. And put something oh, into his drink. Oh, right. And waited, so, waited to um, identify yeah. the girl who picked it up then. Yeah, exactly. Later. That, was the pl- that was the plan, yeah. you think? Yeah, Aiden King said it was, it, was, it was supposed to be done for a girl. Do you know what I mean? They're bound, like girls leave their drink up beside the DJ box where the bounce is standing. And he'd watch, but Paddy probably got called away because something, the group, like yeah, people trying yeah, to get I know, in. I know. And I know. Um, he literally knows, I put like, yeah. The only thing, the only different thing he had was a porn star martini. And I was like, oh, that, no, that would not react the way you were like. Do you know what I mean? Like he had one of the lads get bought him a cocktail following. But like, uh, well, hang on a second. If the, you drank a cocktail, maybe somebody thought that was a woman's drink. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said as well. But he knows it wasn't the pub that he had the cocktail. He knows it was another pub. Pop a tablet into the cocktail, stand back and yeah. wait and see what yeah. girl picks yeah. it up and drinks it. And that's what, that's what he's afraid of, that it was with someone oh that he God. taught was a friend. For years they've been, yeah, no, I mean, do you think a friend did it? You couldn't, you couldn't, you wouldn't know, but you couldn't even contemplate that. But like, it's not even that, like, do you know when people are like, oh, come on, we get it, like, Aiden's so laid back, let's, come on, let's see what happens if we put something in his drink. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't, and I don't think anybody would, but like, that's, like, he, that's the only other drink he didn't, he, he See, my worry is that people hear these stories on on air like this, or they read them in the newspaper, or they're scrolling online, and they hear of drinks being spiked. And you'll always get the odd lunatic who thinks that's fun to try, you know? Yeah, but it's not even that. It was the fa- that's what that's what I was saying. You know, with the lady on the last call, like she was saying, this fella's going out with an empty syringe and seeing what lastic it. Yeah, just you know for I mean? just for. Been, I think it's it a funny been prank. Something like that is like, oh, it's Halloween. Let's put a little bit of something in his cocktail and see how he reacts. He's a big man, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's yeah. see if we can have a laugh of Aiden tonight because Jen's not with him. It's horrible. Do you know, horrible. Do you know, and it's a horrible thing to say if it was done like that because that's what he said, that's the only thing that he didn't, he did, like I was drinking them on Wednesday night porn stars and he, like they were like water and that's what Aiden said but like as soon as he finished finished and left, like he's never home. Like it's half two, half three but he goes back to the lad's house and everything. You know what I mean? He's never home that early, like. I know, I know. Got a bad fright. Oh, got a bad he's fright for sure. He's literally ringing me now because he's at work and he's and I'm supposed to be meeting him for breakfast. But off you go. Have me. breakfast. Look after him. Take yeah. care, Jennifer. Cheers for now. Yeah. All right, no bother. For years we've been saying, years we've been saying, you can't be leaving drinks unattended at all anymore. And you know the big problem now could be people going out for a fag in the days when the pubs were jammed and people put their drink down, they go out for a cigarette or they go out with their pals because a lot of socially, uh, a lot of social aspect to going outdoors. They say the best fun can be out in the smoking area. You come back in and you just pick up your drink and you have no idea what's happened to it in the meantime. But drinks being spiked are on the increase for sure. And there's um, a support from nurses, midwives and frontline staff in Ireland who recently posted that if you're out drinking, never leave your drink unattended and only accept drinks from people that you know. And they talk about things that you might notice in a drink, for instance, that has been spiked. Apparently the ice will sink. There will be excessive bubbles in your drink and it may take on a foggy appearance. Imagine that in this day and age, having to study the physicality of your drink before you put it to your lips. Text 0868104106 back after 10. 
I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I want to chat with uh, Nadim Hussein this morning, who spent uh, in and around 10 days, I believe, or nine days on hunger strike and has returned now to his direct provision centre room uh, after uh, nine days on hunger strike. At one stage, he, of course, uh, had to be admitted to a hospital. He was discharged last week, and I want to chat with him, see how he's getting on. So that and lots more besides between now and mid day today. On um, spiking via needles, particularly the Cork student um, on a night out in Limerick, um, this is why I always tell my daughters to stay with their friends while out. Always look out for one another. This happened to one of them a few years ago, and only for her friends noticing she wasn't right and bringing her home, God knows what could have happened. She has no recollection after a certain point what happened, and was out cold all night. Very frightening and disturbing that this is happening. Thank you for that text, Maria. Actually, can I just also say that it, you don't need to have your drink spiked to end up feeling out of control or, you know, um, incapable of walking or communicating or having no loss, having a complete loss of memory. And that's why, and that can happen from too much drink. And there's so much high octane alcohol now, white spirits and brown spirits and cocktails that are easy to drink. Before you know it, you're just absolutely Stocious. Um, and that's also why it's important that friends should also look out for each other on a night out. You know, not, not just girls, but, but boys too, young men also. How is it only women that are getting spiked, Neil? What did women do to deserve this on a night out? It's hard enough being a woman uh, and going out without having to be so worried about this as well. No wonder women are scared to go out. What's next? I hope she got herself checked afterwards to make sure she wasn't jabbed with a dirty needle. That's the Cork student in a on a night out in Limerick. Maybe they all need to be scanned on entry to pubs and nightclubs. How evil are they to be doing this to... There are some horrible individuals out there. Another one saying just that. Time for scanners to be fitted at nightclub doors. Uh, All sorts of rules regarding searching patrons, which are necessary, but also it facilitates this kind of disgusting behavior. Scanners will pick up needles and lots more besides. There are a lot of predators around pubs and clubs for years now. I've heard loads of stories about this happening, and it's the same profile every time. Um, I will come back to other texts on that because I see there's some more coming in there this morning. So text 0868104106. But just just with regards to on a night out, Sinead, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm well. You're a bingo fan, are you? I am. And you were out at the bingo at the weekend. Was it local bingo or was it local at the bingo? Which? No, bi- it was um, local bingo. All right, but was it I local at the bingo? Before, um, I'd say about two years ago, um, it was in Roaches Park Hotel, but it was very good. Um, but the one on Saturday night was in a tent. It was absolutely shocking. Okay, out the Corrigan Road. Why was it shocking? They, there was a storm outside. Um, first of all, anyway, um, a group of us were, a group of us went. It was um, my aunt's birthday, and they were already after confirming. As you can see, I sent a message that we didn't need COVID certs, but one of the girls didn't have a COVID cert, and they wouldn't let her in after already confirming that she wouldn't need one on the message. And so she had to end up going home. Um, you actually got it. No, I haven't seen that screen grab you're referring to. I sent to, that but, there on but, the WhatsApp. I sent the message that the Bingo Local company wrote that she didn't, there was no COVID first needed. 
But sure, there would have to be a COVID cert needed. No, it for wasn't. It wasn't even for her. It was for anyone. Nobody needed a COVID cert. They were basically saying, like, you know, for an indoor bingo night yeah, out. You can read the message there back from Bingo Loco. It's on WhatsApp. There, I just sent it there after I was after sending the other message. Okay, okay, because that sounds extraordinary to me. Uh, why would yeah, you do well that? It's like? on, it's, the proof is there. Um, what they said, they said no COVID cert needed. Um, so we were happy to go along with that. But then when she got to the venue, um, they said they wouldn't let her in without the third ticket. Okay. Okay. So what happened? She went home and you went in, is it? So we went in. Um, it was absolutely packed. I mean, no, like everybody was next to each other. There was no social distancing. Um, no hand sanitizers, nothing nothing like um, the bathrooms that Okay, I have that now here it comes from Bingo Loco it says um, Yeah uh, I can confirm that event is taking place in a big top tent so it's considered to be outside no proof of vaccination is required to attend is that accurate that a big top tent with a roof on it is considered outdoors? I don't know um, Was there a hole in the roof? No Okay Right. It was like um, a marquee, basically, like a huge marquee. Well, if there was Live of the Marquee on right now and, say, Simply Red were playing down in Live of the Marquee, you would have to have a COVID cert for that. So exactly. That's a marquee. Yeah. Okay, go ahead anyway. It was jammed so, inside, right? So anyway, like, there was at least, now I'm only guessing, there could have been about 3,000 people there. Um, there was like 10 uh, port cabin bathrooms outside and people were actually killing each other to get into the bathroom. If someone was using the bathroom, there was people actually kicking the door in on top of them. And <sighs> really? There seemed to be no security around then to stop that. And no, there's I'm a storm the raging outside now. Is the marquee moving? I mean, I don't know how bad it was here, but way over... I was down west... It was west so bad that it was, it was, um, the bouncers... At the minute half ten hit... Now I don't drink myself, but the minute half ten hit, the bouncers were screaming and shouting at everybody, telling them to get out that the tent was dangerous, that the bars were falling off it. Now, I saw that myself. The tent was, like, the bars were, like, moving fast. They could have easily fell off and hit somebody in the face. Um, there was fights outside as well, outside the venue. There was guards everywhere. It was shocking, absolutely shocking. Who was fighting? I mean, was it, a, was it an equal split, men and women at the bingo, or, or who was at it? Yeah, there was men and women, but there was... Um, there was just people outside fighting, like drunk people, you know. Was there a like, drink at the bingo? There was, yeah, yeah. Like a bar, kind of mobile bar there was or something? A bar, there was a bar out the back, but you had to go out in the rain to get, like you would have gotten soaked going out there. Right, right. but did people do that? Oh yeah, there was people drinking, but like, it was so packed that like, you would have spent at least 40 minutes trying to get a drink, like. Okay, you know? okay, this must have been one hell of a big marquee if there was, did you say, up it to, you figure three? huge. I reckon there was about 3,000 people there, like. And when people were moving around and going out to the bar and going out you to the port You move, like did, even if you wanted to use the bathroom, it was like being in a nightclub, you you know, you were getting squashed going to the... Listen, I know, I, I, don't, I don't make the rules, right, or the guidelines or the regulations, that, but yeah. you're supposed to then put a mask on going to the loo or put a mask on going to the bar. Did, did, was that happening? No, there was no mask. Nobody had masks. So there was no masks inside in the, in the marquee. No. Uh, there was and a text like, went out saying you don't need a COVID cert, just come on. Yes, and the way the, the, way the bouncers were treating people, they were treating everybody like everybody was... 
very drunk and they were just screaming and shouting at people like saying you need to get out now you know just being very forceful well in fairness to them they might have been afraid that the marquee was going to come down I understand that but not everybody was drunk you know some people knew what was going on like you know and they should not have um, they should not have a tent that like isn't safe for people just because there's a storm it should be safe even if there's a storm now we have contacted them this morning, like there and were I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. off like the top of the tent, like it was really stormy outside, and like it's just I know it's not their fault. There was a storm, but the way they were screaming at people to get out of the venue, and like you actually couldn't go out in this weather. Like I actually stepped outside. We got a cab, and we got soaked. Where in Corraheen was it? Was it where they have the? The summer show, is it? I think so, yeah. Okay. And in spite of what they posted saying you don't need a COVID cert or anything, when you got there, they checked everybody for a COVID cert, then did they? Well, they wouldn't let her in. They turned her away. Did they scan your cert or anything like that or just look at it? Um, no. Well, they looked at my cert, my cert, and um, they asked me for ID but like I was rummaging in my bag to uh, find something but I just found my bank card because I thought it was a different ID card and your man goes oh that's grand and he just let me okay, in okay but it. you know when they see your, your COVID cert and the QR they code didn't on it, it no. they have to no. you're supposed to scan that for contact tracing tracing no, so they'll never be able to trace anyone now well the security guard didn't scan it okay and no sanitizers in the bathrooms either Nothing, no. And the guards no were called? No lights in the bath, just sanitizers, Neil. There was no lights, you couldn't even see. <laughs> like, if you wanted to use the bathroom, you couldn't even see where you were going to the bathroom. You'd have to put the torch on on your phone. And you said the squad cars arrived? There was a paddy wagon outside, squad cars. There was girls um, fighting outside. Like, it was a big... Everybody was drunk. Why were they fighting? I mean, did, did someone know. kick off? Or what? Maybe, yeah. It was a disgrace. The whole thing was a disgrace. Bingo Loco sent us this uh, this email. Uh, uh, they they sent it out to people apparently, not to me, um, because they okay. must have sent out the original text with regards to no COVID search required. They then subsequently sent out sent out an email saying we have now received confirmation that an EU COVID digital certificate will be required for entry to the event. For those with tickets who aren't fully vaccinated, you can obtain a certificate via the use of a negative antigen test from the approved pharmacy on the list. So they changed their mind on that. Why they ever thought? But if they, even if they did email that, right? We just say they emailed it the night before. But sure, some people don't check their emails every day. No, I'm, I know that. And I'm just curious as to why they ever thought that a marquee would be deemed. Um, like get their points across better. Like they need to actually ring people with a ticket and say, look, um, we know we need the COVID search. Like why did you don't check their emails. Yeah, why did you stay? Um, the recommendation is if you don't feel safe, leave. Because there was a storm outside and um, we couldn't get a cab, basically. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that caller. Bingo Local on Saturday night was very badly run. To be fair, Bingo Local did send an email before the event to say certs were necessary and there was loads of hand sanitizer point stations. But it was badly run. It was way too busy and became very rough. We were 90 very minutes rough. queuing for the bar. I'd never go to the tent again. It was so rough, I didn't feel a bit comfortable there. The hotel ones are great, though. Um, so, people backing up what you're saying. I suppose there was no distancing in the queues for the bar either, no? No, none. Okay. 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 How much was it? Uh, 35 euro each. Is that is that about normal? 
We would be for a ticket, yeah. Okay, okay, but never again. It'd be interesting to see what they have to say if they do come back to no, me, because... I actually wouldn't go again, you know. All right, okay, okay. Um, I'd nearly be looking for a refund for my ticket, to be you honest. Need, yeah, well, you need to just be watching out for yourself so you don't end up getting sick after it, No, you know? as I said, I did go to one in a hotel and it was fantastic. Um, but that was before COVID hit, like, you know. Was it very windy and very wet? What night was that? Saturday night, was it? Very. It was unsafe, to be honest, to be out in a tent in that weather. Okay, I see other texts coming in on this. Appreciate you taking the uh, call, Sinead. Someone Sinead. could have got hurt really badly. Someone probably did get hurt. Were any, you know? Did you see anybody been taken away by guards or in a paddy wagon or anything? Uh, yeah, I think I saw one fellow, Ari. Yeah. I mean, there's no yes, excuse I for that. Because, I presume as well because it's so hard to get a drink there. And it was even like that now in the hotel before. Uh, I presume people were bringing in their own drink. Does that happen? Even I'd say so, yeah. yeah. They weren't searching people's bags or anything. Like, yeah. you know? Tempers got frayed because of the amount of people in the queuing at the bar and you the bad blues. You could easily walk in with a bag of drink and nobody would know the difference. All right, okay. Let's see what they have to say. I'm hoping no, they will respond. No, I don't respond. have a problem with people drink. All my friends drink. I just don't drink, you know. Okay. Okay, did they bring drink in with them? No, they oh, didn't, no. Okay. They had a few drinks um, while they were getting ready. You were and there, you were there for the bingo? they saw the queues at the bar, they, were, they just didn't bother them. Okay. No. okay, let's see if anybody else has had an experience similar to yours Saturday night at uh, yeah. Loco Bingo. Thanks, Sinead. Take care. Cheers. Take Don't care. No worries. Thank you, Neil. Uh, text 0868 on that one. Um, these are the kind of events, of course, that can make all of the difference with regards to numbers and drive us back into um, you know, the reintroduction of restrictions and things like that. It's very unfortunate. Um, they certainly dropped the ball with the original message going out saying you don't need a COVID digital cert and then having to change their mind and realize that they did. That was probably too late for some people. Anyway, if I get a response from Loco Bingo, I certainly will. I'd love to chat with them on air, incidentally, because uh, maybe they feel that they're being misrepresented this morning and I'll give them an opportunity to correct that. one 106 Just a fast one ahead of the, the ad break. This is a holiday maker beware call, if you like. Tom, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Um, the, the shortened version of this, if you don't mind, it certainly involved you and uh, KLM, was it? Yes, um, we booked tickets to travel at Christmas and um, on the 22nd of October uh, I booked tickets online with KLM flying out of Cork via Amsterdam to Geneva. Right. Okay. We, we, we normally spend, uh, go to Switzerland at Christmas to spend time with my wife's family and obviously we didn't go last year so um, we were delighted to be able to go this year. So booked two tickets, two return tickets online and insurance on the KLM website. Fine, everything fine. Tickets booked, very happy because we were able to fly out of Cork rather than going to Dublin. What kind of money? Um, what kind of money? Uh, two tickets of insurance was like 560 euros. For the two of you return? Uh, for two of us return, right. very happy. Okay. Um, on the 27th, which is five days later, my wife just asked me to check her online banking. So I checked online and I see that the two tickets and the insurance have been charged separately. Okay? Yeah, so 273 for, each and then 273 two for the second and then 15 and for the whatever. insurance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's a fourth transaction that's for a sum equal to those three, the two tickets and the insurance. So there's a fourth sum pending for 560 euros on the account. And obviously got worried because thought, hang on a second. Paying twice. Uh, yeah. 
paying twice, but that transaction is pending. So rang the bank and the bank said, um, no, we can't, we can't cancel that transaction. KLM essentially have their hand on that money and they can either take it or not take it until they give a date of November the 1st. So tried to contact KLM, no success with their phone number in Dublin. Their only way of contacting them about any issue is on WhatsApp or Messenger. But, okay, all right. And that's very frustrating. Customer service that's has gone to the dogs because of that carrier. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you can't actually speak to... Not uh, just KLM, but like person. loads and loads General. of companies now. It's yeah. impossible. Gen- impossible. Generally. Yeah. yeah. But you see, the only so, thing that I know, were you actually charged the second 561 euro? No, but that, that transaction is pending. So... It's in your account, but you haven't got access to it. So oh. on your balance, it'll say, you know, X amount is available, but or X amount is in your account, but what's actually available is less than 500. And for a lot of people who are budgeting financially in their lives, that kind of money they can't get their hands on makes a big difference to their day-to-day living, doesn't it? It will do. Like, like we're fortunate. We're not travelling until December. We didn't need access to that money. But if somebody was tra- was travelling a short notice, that could make a huge difference. That could be the spending money. Yeah, and I mean, there's only two of us travelling. There could be a family travelling where you're paying several thousand euros for tickets. And then there's an equal sum that isn't available in your account. And it's as good so, as gone. Even, even yeah. though, by and large, those pending payments... They're never drawn down. They usually just disappear. You know that. They do, yes. Yeah, but yeah. According, according to KLM, the issue with this is, and you can check on the website, it's a thing called double blocking. So if you book more than, if you have more than one transaction, we'd say you're booking for two people, three people, four people on a single booking, they will be taken individually from your account and then the total sum will also go through your account, but that's pending. That never, ever happened to me in all the years of booking flight no, tickets. Never, no. ever. I, I never I mean, heard I've of that before. With, I, yeah, I've booked with all, you know, EasyJet, Aer Lingus, uh, all sorts of airlines at different times with multiple bookings on a single transaction, and this has never happened. I wonder... It's unique to KLM. I wonder why they have that. I mean, if maybe it is unique to them. I've never heard of it. It makes absolutely no sense. None. No, and, but, you know, you can check online. If you put in KLM double blocking, there's, this goes back, I've... I've seen it back as far as 2010. But should they're taking double the money, okay, they never hold on to it, but they're screwing you up for the 561 euro for maybe a month? Yeah, like their their last message to me, which was unprompted by me, was generally it takes two weeks for this, what they call, reserved amount to be released. Why? Why do they even do it? You book the flight, you pay for it, move on. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. You know, there's, there's cases, you can look online, there's cases of people, a woman who paid two and a half thousand for tickets to travel, arrived at the airport a couple of days later and realized there was another two and a half thousand that was reserved, as KLM call it. Frozen in her account? Yeah. Yeah. So that could, be, now, that could, be, that could be your the, money for food to pay your utility bills to spend on holidays. Exactly. Yeah. Um... You so know, the regulator, uh, the regulator needs to knock that on the head. Yeah, I mean, somebody needs to do something about a KLM. It's just essentially they're not responding. The bank told us last week that um, they had until the first of November, 
But as of today, that money is still pending. Will you come back to me and let me know when it's released? I will do, yeah. I'll contact Emer and let you know. Okay, people beware, um, beware. Holidaymakers, beware. You'll be double charged in the short term. Okay, listen, Tom, have a great... I think in Geneva, they have great Christmas uh, markets, don't they as well, I think, at Christmas time? Oh, it's fantastic. Fantastic place to go. Well, well, enjoy. <laughs> do come back to me when that money gets released, will you? I, I will do, Neil. Thanks, Thank Tom. Thank Tom you. Connolly, um, that's a consumer issue that you need to be aware of. Text 0868 104 106 if you've experienced issues like that in the past. After the break, I want to chat with uh, Cork asylum seeker uh, Nadim Hussain next. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850 104 106. Red FM. And you can text 0868 uh, Nadim Hussain came over here from India. He was in the direct provision centre in Cork, denied refugee status here and went on hunger strike. He remained on hunger strike uh, for nine days. He was moved at one stage to hospital and discharged after it. And back in the direct provision centre he is. Now he joins me by phone. Nadim, how are you feeling? I've already sent you the, my doctor's certificate. Yeah. Doctor has said that I'm very weak now. Yeah. And I need a better food and a better accommodation. Yes, I saw the letter. It says that you need a better living place and you need but some help from social welfare. And they offered to move you to Tullamore, I think, is it? Yes, but you know, I already requested to the IPAS to please give me any place in Cork because, you know, Cork is my family. I can't go out of my family. Yes, you regard Cork as family. That's where your friends are. Do you have family members here as well? I told you, whole Cork is my family. Cork is your family, yeah. So you know who's my mother, who's my father, and who's everywhere. Whole Cork is my family. Okay, okay. And tell me, you say you need healthy food. You were on hunger strike for nine days. Yes. Um, how are you feeling physically? I know you're weak, but the doctors were afraid there could be kidney damage. Yes, because doctor already prescribed me and told me that in now also I need a better food and better accommodation. Okay. And tell me, is the food poor? Is is the food not very good at the direct provision centre on Kinsale Road? For me, it's not. Because already I have given the digestion, you know, diet that what I have to eat and what I have not to eat. Okay. And do you have... For me, it's not. Do you have specific dietary requirements? Yes. yes. What can you eat? I can eat of food like chicken. Yeah. Rice or mashed potato. Okay. I can eat. I need fruits. Fruits like apple juices. Doctor provided me to drink juices. Okay. And what type of food is available for you there every day? No. Nothing is till now available for me. That is all everybody is eating over there. They are saying, but I'm not eating there because I told you for my health. Okay. My health condition, I'm trying to get food from outside. And I don't have money also now because I'm out of work. That certificate also I have sent you. Mm. Mm. Two weeks, I do. I can't work. Yes, well, having been through what you've been through, you wouldn't have the strength to work. No. You know, you were moved to hospital after a number of days. When, yes. you, were, when you were in the de- direct provision... Um, yes. Were you force-fed? 
it's not about the forces one time the there was some people who came with the a energy drink so i said no i will not because if i drink that energy drink that time so i should be not be in hunger strike. okay so they just offered it to you they didn't try and insist that you take it no i will not tell any lies sir okay okay lies not good but i am very sad and very sad i am in the same room with insect and cockroach i have sent the photos also insects and cockroaches are the rooms not cleaned not clean i can send you the photograph i told you okay again okay if i have i haven't seen that photograph uh, nadim i will i will just now give me a second sir no, i can send no, you no that's okay we when we finish chatting you can send yeah. it to me um everybody is aware um that your appeal to stay in ireland was rejected um and that's the reason that you went on hunger strike you have been yes, here 3 years in the direct yes. provision center and you came from india yes sir okay i came from india because i have a problem in here problem means in modi government 27th march 2018 my father mother was killed in a riot and i came here for need a help for shelter for this country yes i understand and do you mind and me do you mind me asking i don't wish to upset you but how did your mother and father die how did they meet their death yes i can tell you on 27th march 2018 i we were all sleeping in our house there was a hindu muslim right over there there was a political leaders from modi government his name is dilip ghosh from kolkata dilip ghosh they came to our house with a number of huge people mm. and my father was there and he inserted the sword in my father's stomach first they of all they stuck a sword in his stomach yes and then after that i was in a middle room when i came from there they snatched me also i have a medical report also i have submitted you can check over there were you stabbed then, there okay. i was stabbed okay and your mother and my mother was a same very same very same position i'm sorry nadim <laughs> it's very upsetting for you i'm sorry <laughs> i came here for need help because again also and again i said that i am a genuine refugee i know I know. I know. So your mother your mother and father were stabbed to death yeah. by sword because they're Muslims and there is conflict between Muslims and Hindus in not, India. Not only that is a reason the reason was that also I was a political leader of CPIM I and my father. Okay. Both I have given my all identity cards. Okay. Well, you're politically No, if you're politically motivated, that is a good thing. How did you manage to escape if they killed yeah. your mother and father? How did you get yes. away that night? Yes. I was when I was troubled, some of a people of my party, his name is Muhammad Salim, he was a MPX MP over there. The people came and put me on a hospital. and then after that the same night i was rushed to the delhi bihar bhavan you were what sorry i was moved to the delhi to delhi by car okay 
And how on, then? And how then did you come to Ireland? Why? Why? I why Ireland? Sure. Why Ireland? Because, uh, according to the law, sir, yeah. when you get the first place of your safe, yes. When he get visa, Ireland have given me visa. I came for that. Okay, and you worked while you were here. Did you work? Um, I believe that you were working as a frontline worker doing security in one of our hospitals. Where was that? Sir, I can't take the name. Sorry for that. No okay. comment over there. But I worked in hospitals also. I worked in KFC in level five also. KFC. Yeah, in level five, I have a certificate also. So you work in level okay. five. Okay. Yeah, I can send you also. No problem. No, that's okay. I mean, I I'm just I just want to hear your story, um, yeah. because people need to hear your story. But you yeah. did you did work in hospitals in yeah. security uh, as well. I had heard, but and see, after that also, when I was in here, in from the day when I got the permission, I'm working. I'm giving taxes. Yes. Everything. And the most important thing uh, that I am a genuine refugee. Sir. Yes. And because why why do you think you were refused status to remain? It is not. I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked, sir. You come in front of mine. If you deserve something and it happens to you, yeah. what you will think? I know. I know. It's just that I did. I was just following up on your case um, earlier today, and I heard that it was because they asked you to provide. This sounds bizarre, but they asked you to provide a certificate from the police in India to prove that your parents are dead. Is that true? Yes. How it is possible, sir? I have a problem over there, and how police will give me the. Record it is possible to me. No, I'm just wondering: is it maybe that they don't believe you that your parents are dead? Do you think that's sir, it, sir? Now the question is not they don't believe. If they don't believe, how did they accepted my death certificate? Did you give them a death certificate for your yes, parents? Of my father, mother, I can give you all the documents. So what's copy. the so what's the problem? I don't know. That's the reason I was upset. You know I that you know that many people in Ireland believe that um, direct provision should be abolished and closed down. That it's inhumane and unfair. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of that? There are eight thousand asylum seekers in Ireland. Seven thousand of them sir, like you in direct sir, provision. Sir, 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 sir. I will tell you again these things. My, I'm not here to fight, or I'm not telling. Think anything about direct provision. It's not about that. If there will be a no direct provision, so how people will live here? Well, I'm not any. I'm not going to comment anything but, about uh, that. But well, where will they live? I I don't know. But it doesn't sound like a solution. Direct provision has been with us for nearly I don't know twenty five years, perhaps now. Yes, yes. But it we can request. See. I have already requested my doctor's certificate. Have already considered that I need a better food and a better accommodation. Okay, the better you have that yeah. you have a, that later. 
Yes, I do have that, and I refer to it. HSE letter says that you need a better place to live, better accommodation, and you need help from social welfare. Do you want your own place to live? No, I didn't ask for the own place. Okay. I just asked for the help to give me as a single room in here, in court. Well, I didn't ask for any home, sir, because I am also the one of the asylum seeker. I can't say like that, but I, for my medical reasons, I asked for the single room. Okay. That's it. But do you not feel relieved that the government has said you won't be deported? I am very happy and very thankful to the TDs who have given the representative for me. I'm very thankful to the Justice Department also. Okay. And the most important thing, I'm very thankful to my protesters and the people. See, if you will check my everything, I always known that Irish people are very kind-hearted. Yes. From before, I am telling this. Okay. In my every statement, even when I was in interview also, I told them also. What do you think will happen next? I don't know, sir, because that's on my legal team and their decision, okay. discussions, so I can't comment anything now. What would you like to happen? I will have, I told you, if I am not deporting, that's good for me. And if I will be in here, I will be same as a worker in here. I want to be a part of here. And I don't think any problems to give me my chance to give a new life. Yes. Surely you would like to be out of the direct provision center, free free to live your life in the community. I will. I will. Because again, I'm saying that all community people love me and, and they have showed and they have showed this okay. you also know this I do and would you if they hadn't given you that assurance that you wouldn't be deported would you have stayed on hunger strike yes because when I was in the hunger strike the, the day when I was there that time I didn't eat anything anything till yeah. I got a call from my legal team okay you're not you're not alone. There are many people supporting you. Would you mind if I stay in touch with you to see how things go in the coming weeks for you? Sure. I told you this is not many people are supporting me. Even you are also supporting me. Yes. Do you not think? I do. I do think so. I do think so. I think because I think is, people should is, be allowed to get on with their lives. I do. This is a love. This is a love of a people. This is not only me. This was not Nadine. And Nadine, if if you if you were allowed to go free and to, you know stay in Ireland, yeah. would would you get a job and support yourself and provide for yourself? Sir, I am stealing job, but now I can't work for two weeks. Okay. I have a job. Okay. And there was no no days, you can check the records also, that I was without job in here. You were a hard worker. Okay. Yes. Okay, well look, good luck to you and perhaps we thank might perhaps we might talk again. Thank you, sir. I'm always here and very thank you. Okay, Nadim. Very thank you to give me the chances. And I want to thank to the media team who have given me a love, people of Ireland, TDs who have given me his love to represent my case in Parliament also. And you love Cork. I, you love Cork, yes. I. It's not about love. I told you this is my family, yeah. and they have also accepted that I am that family. Okay, okay, Nadim. Talk soon. Look after yourself, okay?
Thank you very much, sir. Bye. Bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851 04106 Red FM. Madame, uh, sure, pardon me, Nadim Hussein at the Direct Provision Centre on the Kinsale Road. Just text on that. You can text 0868 104 106. I heard of your plan to interview Nadim Hussein. I read that he fears pers- persecution if he returns home to India as he is a Muslim. Should we therefore be ready to offer asylum to the other 206 million plus Muslims in India? I'm curious as to why he feels he will be singled out from millions of others for persecution can come on air. Well, if you heard my conversation with him, why would he be singled out for persecution, as he said? Because his mother and father were murdered. Um, The asylum seeker Nadim, Irish people are routinely deported from the USA and Australia, and it's a matter of routine. Uh, Do we ever hear about it? The Irish deported from the USA and Australia? No. In Ireland, we seem to need the equivalent of a public inquiry before anyone can be deported. As they say, you couldn't make it up. Uh, Nadim's a blackguard. His story doesn't add up. He got denied. Simple as, send him home. If I went on hunger strike when I was homeless, being a celiac or for any other reason, I would just be ignored. Uh, don't want to go on air, says Dave. Um, I'm curious why the Indian gentleman didn't go to the UK, where under Commonwealth law, he can apply for UK citizenship without needing refugee status, says Pat. And another one, Bobby Sands went on hunger strike for 66 days and didn't get the country back. And this fellow does eight or nine days and gets his way. It's a disgrace, says Dave. Um, so keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Regardless of what way you fly on this one or what way you roll on this, the direct provision centres across the country are no longer fit for purpose. And something seriously needs to be done to change. Would it not make sense, and I've said it before, that anybody that's in direct provision now should be helped and be allowed to live their lives here amongst us and to work and raise families like many have done, have come through direct provision, having spent long periods of time there and are now in the community giving and working and happily raising families. Um, maybe at this stage we should just draw a line under it and close them all down. They're costing us huge amounts of money annually and they're causing an awful lot of hardship for the people in them. And then revisit and look at how we invite people into this country. Um, you know, I understand the aspect of refugee and asylum seekers, but would it make sense that an application would have to be made in their home country first rather than arriving and just, you know, disembarking from, you know, the, the rule is the country that you land in you make an application to. Because the way it is right now, it's just not working. And, uh, you know, I, I understand as well that if you were to be denied refugee status, they must have a valid reason for it. Um, otherwise, why would he be refused? But it, it strikes me that uh, for somebody to want to go on hunger strike uh, just to stay in the country, imagine a guy like that would have a lot to offer, don't you think? An awful lot to offer? I mean, if he's strong-willed like that and probably would make a good addition uh, to the workforce and the general community. I mean, you can call me naive if you wish. Pick up the phone, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. 106 text 0868104106, but it ain't working. It really and truly isn't. Uh, don't know whether you've visited one of those centres. Uh, I have in the past, um, two of them actually, uh, and it's not a place I'd like to spend, um, you know, a year, two years, five years, eight years, ten years. When we'll spend five minutes, five days. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Now, can I just say I have been contacted by uh, Cork Summer Show uh, to say that the event at the weekend, uh, Loco Bingo or Bingo Loco, was not at the showgrounds. It was held at the Corraheen Greyhound Track Car Park. Uh, perhaps one of your speakers. Um, um, 
Yeah, one of one of the callers on air did say that it was at uh, the the site where the summer show is. They got in touch with me in the summer show. That's not correct, and I'm happy to correct it because it's inaccurate on our behalf. It wasn't at the showgrounds um, location. It was at Curraheen Greyhound Track Car Park. Nor do I know how bad the wind and the rain was here. I'm told it was bad, though, wasn't it? I mean, it was absolutely. <laughs> typhoon-like along the West Coast. Believe me, it was the strongest winds and uh, the biggest fall of rain I've seen in a long, long time. In fact, many of the pubs that had outdoor marquees and tented structures, you know the one you get from Guinness and you put them up like they're ready to go, uh, you know, marquees, they just, you assemble them. They were just hanging in by the skin of their teeth and they all had to be taken down because they literally would have been uprooted from the ground, even though they were probably drilled into cavity blocks but anyway then um, there was the email that Bingo Loco did send out uh, to correct their earlier inaccuracy about COVID certs they say we've received confirmation that the EU COVID digital cert will now be required for entry to the event Um, they should have known that all along incidentally but they also said wear appropriate clothing because the site is covered but the weather forecast is for rain at the weekend they said that no dancing would be tolerated due to COVID regulations. Apparently, it's that kind of a bingo where there's a, a bit of a bop as well at it. Uh, respect social distancing when moving around the venue and queuing for the bars. Uh, show starts at half seven, bar closes at ten. Seating is unreserved, so arrive with your group together early to avoid disappointment and get the best seats in the house. Make sure your tickets, ID and EU COVID certs are at the door. See you at the show. Glow sticks at the ready. So there were some of the pointers that they gave out ahead of the event itself. Uh, Sinead Dumphy is an event organiser at events right across the country, um, up to and including the jazz. If, uh, Sinead, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Would it, would, it, would it strike you as strange that somebody with a huge marquee would think at any stage that no uh, EU COVID digital cert is required? It really would. I mean, the only way you can do that, uh, from my knowledge of both working with the Department of Public Health and various other event organisers and safety officers, is if the sides aren't on. So it has to be fully ventilated to be classified as being that, I accept that, but this was a full tented marquee, so yeah, it caused exactly. a lot of confusion. They, they, yeah, they created a temporary structure. What I don't really understand, and I heard there that it it wasn't the showgrounds that it was the car park at Curryheen Greyhound track but it, I would I'm not 100% sure whether that would be deemed to be private property I presume the Curryheen racetrack is private property Why would that matter if it was a ticketed paid for event? Because it would have required a licence if it was on a public property so it would have been it would have had to have gone through the local authority to get a licence to put up a, stru- a temporary structure such as a marquee Now even even if it is, is a private property, uh, sorry, there's a cat here making lots of noise. Okay. Just away. Um, even if it was private property and they were putting a temporary structure, the people that own the property have a duty of care to ensure that all safety measures are taken. That includes producing an event management plan or method statement along with your risk assessment. Yeah, I and think. In the risk assessments you have to allow for weather. Like, I, I've had to close down events. You, you can't account for that at force majeure. You don't put the safety of your patrons in jeopardy at any point. And what I would see there is there was clearly no event controller on site. They definitely would it, would it be event. normal in, say, for instance, circumstances where there's very, very strong winds and lots and lots of rain that an event would be, a tented event would be cancelled? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And even to the point that like, there was a weather warning issued early that morning 
technically you go by the National Weather Service. Okay. So in the event that there's a weather warning of high gusts, um, um, heavy rainfall, temporary structures aren't made for that type of weather. So it was actually quite a dangerous scenario from, from what I can hear. She said, really caller said that the poles were moving. I don't think she said that oh, they were lifting, but that uh, the, the security staff were getting yeah. people out because they thought it was a health risk. But that, you see, I say that the security team were, you know, probably landed with something and didn't know how to deal with it. Um, generally, a lot of the security companies that are fully licensed in Cork and Ireland, I mean, they do their own um, risk assessments. So I'm unsure as to why it took until half ten at night for them to suddenly start screaming at people. Again, I feel that there's a, a, lack, a lack of process here. Sinead, it could have come um, down. Like, it could have come down on people. It literally could I, have come down on their heads. I, I had done the children's festival, so we're sitting down at the Marina Market during August. It was a slight breeze, and we had a tiny temporary uh, marquee structure. Slight breeze, and the thing actually lifted. And we had sandbags, we had boulders down on top of the legs, and the whole thing cracked. Thank God it, it happened at the end of the day when all the kids were gone. Nobody was standing under it. I was like an idiot hanging out of the thing trying to hold it onto the ground. That was a slight breeze. These things aren't built for gusty weather. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they are temporary structures. And also, you would have to, and this is a legal requirement, you have to get certified by a qualified engineer. Oh, I imagine that was all done, and I think there wasn't. I don't think there's any issue in, in any way, shape, with regards to their license, because uh, the guards were there on the night, and if there had been a license issue, and they have these events all over the country, so they, they probably are okay with the local authority, the guards, risk assessment and everything. It's just that there was way too many people in there, there was no distancing. Well, the, but you see, this is the thing. If was the fun, guards were after giving approval on that, they would have had to have seen a crowd control, um, like a, a crowd management plan, ultimately, as well as the the idea of the risk assessment relating to temporary structure uh, and certification. So to me, yes, okay, they were there, but it sounds like they turned up because of the trouble. There was trouble. There was fighting outside. That's yeah. why the guards were there. But when they'd arrived then, I'm sure they would they would surely check to see. I think, I think all of the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted on the... You know the licensing yeah, issue, but it would you normal be normal for people to say seating is unreserved, so arrive early. Well, I mean, it, it depends on the the event controller and the event manager. Okay. Um, I mean, for, for me, you like one of the major things and major differences to event management at the moment because of COVID is that you have to have a COVID nineteen compliance officer, a lead worker, who is on site at all times to ensure that all elements of regulations have been implemented. Okay, okay. So if there's no social distancing happening, that means there isn't somebody there implementing it. If the the very hard to implement something like that with three thousand people. Well, it can be done if the planning is there. Okay. That's what I, I've kind of listened to it this morning going that there's a huge amount of material missing in all of this. Okay. Because if you have the material you can actually do it. Okay, well, I and think it could have been. I think it could have been an awful lot worse if the winds had knocked oh, it down. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. and it's yeah. a, a very scary thing if something happens. Like, I mean, I do risk assessments based on the tiniest of issues, and people think I'm crazy, and I'm like, well, no, but it's a, it's a real thing, you know, slips, trips, falls, all of that. What if somebody slips in a crowd of three thousand? 
and they're trampled on. Okay, okay. So suddenly, you know, it can be quite a serious thing. But Neil, complete shameless plug, you can pass my details on to that crowd and tell them I'm happy to manage their event in future and I'll do a better job. Well, I'm waiting for them to come back to me and if that happens, I certainly will do that. Thanks, Sinead, as always. Yeah, I'll say it with tongue-in-cheek now, but... Okay, well, get the plug in, girl. Get the plug in. Take care. Sinead Dunphy, event organiser at Eventi, organising great events across the city and county. Um, and the downside to this, of course, is... And, and I'm not anybody that's getting overly alarmed or constantly, you know, um, you know, preaching about COVID or vaccines or certs and stuff like that. Far from it. Uh, but if you do see a, a spike, these can be the reasons why. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Right, I'll come back to calls again between now and midday. But uh, what a morning it's been. The holly bowers on my desk when I came in this morning, Christmas 2021. And as they're saying in the echo today, Halloween is yesterday's news. Bye-bye to trick-or-treating. The holly bowers on sale. So we have a good straight run at Christmas now. Right across November and into December. There are no excuses. There's nothing to get away in the way of our run-in to Christmas. Um, and breakfast this morning uh, with Ray and Laura were chatting about Christmassy kind of things. Um, and uh, I kind of overheard in passing uh, that my name was mentioned when it came to Christmas and Christmas songs. Mark that it's the first day of November now. So, <laughs> I mean, is it technically still too early? Is it still too early? Considering that the holly bows out to play a Christmas song, lads. Text 0868104106 on that. And if we were to play one, or if I were to play one, I'm brave enough to do it now. What would it be? But here's a little clip. You could almost regard this as a, a challenge that was laid down, a duel, if you like, uh, to me on breakfast this morning. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Do you know what? Neil would kill me if I did it before him. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna, I couldn't ruin Christmas for Neil. The, the way his little eyes light up. When he gets to play the first Christmas song of the year, you gotta give it to you gotta give it to the man himself and let, let Neil do the first Christmas song. And then once once Neil declares it's okay, then we can do it. But uh, oh. uh, well, that's unless he does it today. Oh, yeah. if, if he plays then the first, tomorrow. if he plays the first Christmas song today, I'm not. I'm still not going to play the first. No, it's tomorrow. too late. You said it. You no. said it. <laughs> The way his little eyes would light up. I didn't know he looked so intently into my eyes, which is nice to hear. But what is he saying now? He's saying, if I don't play something now, he's going to do it in the morning. He's going to play the Pogues fairy tale in New York in the morning. So I think really I need to rise to the challenge, lads. And if you'll forgive me, for those of you that think that I'm gone bonkers, I think we have to get in ahead of breakfast and play the first Christmas song uh, of the Christmas season. Just watch the text come in now. Annoyed, angry, frustrated, happy maybe, delighted. Either way, happy Christmas. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. <laughs> I can see it now. Length and breadth of the county of Cork. People shouting. 
Get up into that attic and get down that crib. Get up into that attic and bring down that Mockia tree. Your man's after playing the whams last Christmas. It's okay. We can get celebrating Christmas time. Come on, put the coat on. We're going to Hanley's Christmas shop. <laughs> oh my God, phones are hopping. Okay, Neil, we need a bit, need a bit of cheering. We need a bit of excitement. Uh, way too early to somebody else. I'm only after taking down my Halloween decorations for feck's sake. You should at least wait until Black Friday. Well, I can't rewind time now. It's done. It's out there. Just be thankful that I didn't play my own favourite Christmas song, which is Driving Home for Christmas. Here, a last Christmas will do. It's officially Christmas in Cork. Whoop, 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 whoop. Thanks, Neil, at last. Uh, Christmas has arrived on Red FM. Uh, the breakfast crew have now got to play one as well tomorrow. Uh, well, you know, half of this was getting in ahead of them, actually. Um, he dropped the ball there, Foley. He dropped the ball. He should have done the business and played the Pogues because now we're kind of stealing his thunder. Undoubtedly, he'll have something to say about it tomorrow morning, which I love. I love the bit of band. You just made my day brighter, says Elaine Holmes in Bween. Too early. One of the shortest texts in history. Delighted you're playing good old George Michael. Woohoo! Christmas songs. Are you smoking something by playing a Christmas song? Oh my God, wait until the 1st of December at least. It's too late, baby. It's too late. Make it stop. Make it stop. I thought there was some kind of law not, not allowing Christmas songs before the 1st of December, says Mark. I don't know about laws. One of our lawmakers on Leeside who would be in a position to um, write it into the statute books and ban me, perhaps, would be maybe, maybe the Lord Mayor. He could pass some kind of a law that would prevent me from doing this next November 1st. Let's find out. Uh, Lord Mayor Colm Kelleher, good morning. Michael Bublé have shares in Red FM. <laughs> it's not, that's not Bublé, that's George Michael be the wham. No, it's just the one Lord Mayor. Could you pass some kind of a bylaw that would stop me from doing this or something? <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't get the memo. <laughs> I, I was in the kitchen, I was in the kitchen and the dog nearly looked up at the attic for the Christmas tree. <laughs> get up into that attic. No, the reason I'm putting you on is because you do get in touch to say, it's too early! <laughs> it's too early. I'm still looking at a pumpkin outside the door. <laughs> well, listen, your own personal housekeeping issues are your own problem. They should have been put in the bin last night. <laughs> no, I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. Christmas advertising has started. I mean, I guess that there's probably shops in town selling Christmassy type thing. I mean, I can get a box of after afternoon tea and USA assorted, so give me a break. I'm sure, look, I suppose, and 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 the open brown Thomas. <laughs> well, if it's good enough for BT, anyway. If, for me. <laughs> if I decide to play another one, and it was the Lord Mayor's choice, what would it be? I'm. Oh, you put me on the spot here now. Uh, <laughs> You're supposed to say none. It's too early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll come back to me in the first of December. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just trying to call. Just create a bit of excitement and something to look forward to. <laughs> Well, Neil. <laughs> yeah, Neil. yeah, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thanks, Lord Mayor. Good luck. <laughs> Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 
104 to 106 Red FM. Lots of people who are way ahead of me, you know, the Christmas tree's up in Mahampoyne Shopping Centre and Noreen in Kinsale says she has her Christmas tree up already. Just got all the Christmas decorations down, Neil, and just now, after your Christmas song, Stunt, I'm being told, put up the Christmas decorations, Daddy. It's Christmas. I heard it on the radio, Daddy, she says. Neil, what have you done? Another one. Thanks for the first Christmas song, says everybody at BGH Christmas all the chefs and attendees were all singing along. Fair play. I think we should celebrate Christmas early in November the 25th this year, maybe, as we might be in lockdown by December 25th. <laughs> and if we're not, we could have two Christmas dinners, 25th of November and again, 25th of December. Really, Neil, the 1st of November. Um, the Lord Mayor says it's too early. We should listen to him. Delighted. My favourite song too, says Rachel. Brilliant. Love it. Happy Christmas. No, I'm not going so far as to be going around saying to people, Happy Christmas. I mean, we could go back to the Victorian Christmases. Some people might prefer that. Where literally Christmas started um, on Christmas Eve lunchtime and it was all over by Stephen's Day or in the UK Boxing Day. Go on your ledge. Might put up my Christmas tree today. Love the show, says Mary Jane. Uh, hoovering was being put off all morning. But out came the Hoover to drown out last Christmas. <laughs> Somebody says Chris Rio won't be driving home for Christmas, Neil, because the petrol prices are too expensive. <laughs> I saw some joke at the weekend saying that uh, somebody in the Green Party was alleged to have said radio stations should not play driving home for Christmas this year because it's leading and increasing people driving home for Christmas and climate warming. <laughs> I'm assuming that was some kind of a joke. Anyway, I'll come back to those between now and quitting time. Text 0868104106. But back to our conversations from this morning. Uh, Seamus, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. You wanted to pick up on my conversation with, I guess, Nadim Hussein, who spent nine days on hunger strike because he was refused uh, permission to stay. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's an awful situation, obviously. Like, but I just feel that... You know, I know we hear a lot of these stories. I'm not trying to take away from our own, you know, situation. And it's awful and it's wrong and so on and so forth. But, you know, we need to bear in mind sometimes that we are a country of four and a half to five million people. We have a lot of problems that have been ongoing for nearly 20 years now um, here. And they're just getting worse. For example, 4,000 homeless children in one of the richest countries in the world, Ireland. Over 10,000 homeless families. And, you know, I just sometimes wonder where where's the, um, you know, you know, where's the news highlight of that fact? Like, like Simon Coveney was on the news a couple of weeks back, you know, saying that he'd like to make an example of the Irish people when it comes to taking refugees into the country, but they're not talking about the problems that exist. Well, are you, are you saying that they're not legitimate refugees, that they're not in crisis no, not of their taking, lives? I'm not, away, I'm not taking away from their legitimacy. I just think that there's a, we're great as a nation for focusing on, um, you know, the plight of people abroad and extending that hand of generosity and so on, which is great, you know, at some level. But sometimes you have to turn around and look at your own ship and say, well, look, my own house is in in a rag order here and I need to get it sorted before I start bringing in more problems effectively. And that's, you know, that's a policy that's been pushed by Fianna Gael. And if you so much as speak out uh, against that, then... So uh, is it doors closed, drawbridges up, no one allowed? No, no, that's not the case. But you got to do it, uh, you know, within a reasonable fashion. You know, there's at the, at the end of the day, when you look at it, there are over four thousand homeless children in this country, and over over ten thousand homeless um, Irish families. Uh, there's zero housing effectively for a lot of people, and uh, the healthcare healthcare system is in shambles. So, it's you know, bringing that into the rationale of your thinking, like 
you know, Michael, um, is one of the, the um, one of those um, independent TVs. I think he highlighted this before, and he was labelled dangerous and racist and so on and so forth, which is not the case. It's just a case of looking at home. So I just, I don't want to take away from that, that person's plight. He's one of many people, I guess. But it is a policy that is fairly toxic in terms of like bringing in more problems without fixing your own problems. Yeah, but I know. mean, I know people who have come through direct provision um, and spent quite lengthy times there and got to stay and remain and set up businesses, yeah. reared families and sent children. We see them. We see children yeah. of all different colours and creeds going to our schools now. Um, to, to think that that's a bad thing, it's got to be racist, doesn't it? No, it's not a bad thing. Like, it, you know, I'm trying to look at this as a, you know, at a grander scale, at a mass scale. You know, when you look at the numbers, they don't add up. Like, I just think... It's quite rich for Mr. Cogan to stand out, you know, a number of weeks back when this country has a, a serious housing crisis, a serious um, healthcare crisis going on. And there's a serious amount of people. If we give them that we are pontificated to the rest of the world as such a great, successful, um, wealthy country, we have a ridiculous amount of problems, even by com- compared to other nations in Europe. Okay. We've, okay. we've a serious amount of problems. And I just think it's rich at times to listen to this, you know, oh, let's look abroad and bring as many... Um, help as many people as we can and look great and so on. It's, it's all optics a lot of the time. When really, you know, I commend the, the politician or the leader that will turn around and say, hang on a second, look at what we've created here. Look at the mess that's in this country. Why is there 4,000 4, homeless children? It's wrong. Why are there people living in cars and in the, in the housing estates? You know, people move from hotel to hotel with children. What's that done to their mental health? Okay. They grow up living no, I can, I can, okay. So that's okay. the point I'm making. You know, I'm not taking away from that, Carol. You know, obviously it's a horrific situation. But, you know, as a nation, we really have to look at our own problems first. And okay, let's get some more thoughts on it, as always. Thanks, Seamus. Um, Sort our own problems first, our own homeless issues and our own children who are in need. One thing I can tell you is that I have been sent photographs uh, of what I believe is possibly today's food at the Kinsale Road Direct Provision Centre. And I've been sent colour photographs of the food on offering this morning. And I have to say, it looks absolutely, it may not suit Nadim's palate, particularly having gone through, uh, you know, nine days on on hunger striker without food. I don't know what effect that has on the body. Uh, He was taking... He was taking liquids, but I don't know what effect would have on him nine days without food. I think if it was substantially longer than that, but he's, it would be a problem. But he says he has to eat small amounts and very light and rice and things. But I've seen the photographs of the offerings and it looks absolutely incredible food to me. I mean, it looks to me as if it's been, there's a fantastic assortment and array of beautiful looking food, very fresh looking food, right down to salads and rices and dishes. dishes. I mean, what I've seen is, is astonishing. I'm just waiting to get a closer look at it. It looks to me as if a lot of effort has gone into the food. It's a long cry from, say, you know, chicken nuggets and half-cold chips inside a kind of half-eaten Banbury. But what I've seen is, is, is awesome stuff. So I don't know what the issue is with food because seems to be a great selection there anyway. Um, a lot more than many people would be sitting down to themselves in their own kitchen this lunchtime or tonight, for, sh- for sure. Uh, Fred, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you are doing? You, uh, are you an electric car driver or are you a hybrid or what do you drive? I'm a hybrid. Hybrid what? I'm, what are you driving? I'm driving a Mitsubishi uh, Outlander. Okay. Um, and how's that going for you? Like, Is it saving oh, your fortune? It is. Uh, I put uh, 30 euros of uh, petrol into the last Thursday fortnight and uh, that uh, brought me up to a full tank. And in that time, I drove to Limerick and back to Cork and back up to Limerick again and uh, driving around. On 30 euro? 
on top to Euro and I still have a ha- I'm still not down to half a tank. And how is that working? Is it that how, how often on the trip are you electric and how often is it pulling juice? Well, there's four different modes in my car and I travel on the normal mode. Now, the car, if you drive the car on battery alone, it will only do uh, 50 kilometres. Right, okay. So how do you get around that? So I drive, as the garage said to me, on the normal mode so that the engine cuts in now and then. I might be driving up to Dublin Road now, we'll say going to Limerick. Because I go to Mitchellstown, Barry Landers way. Right. And I'll be driving up, I uh, will say, a watergrass hill, and you're doing 120. Right. And uh, the engine will cut in, say, for 10 minutes, and then it changes over the battery. And then when the battery is resting and the engine cuts in, the battery's charging again, is it? The battery is charging again. Okay. And does it also charge on braking? It charges, and when you brake, it'll charge again. Okay. And what's the problem with the charging points at the moment? The charging points in Ireland, we haven't got enough. We haven't got enough of charging points. And um, I'll give you an example. Uh, Dingle is a very, very busy town, as you know, for people in the summer, especially. Mm. And uh, there's only one charging point in Dingle. The whole of Dingle Town? The whole of Dingle Town has only one charging point. And, and you could say nearly half Dublin go to Dingle every year. Now, I'm hoping to change my car to an electric car. Right. For next year, I'm waiting for the, the middle of next year, uh, Subaru are bringing out a new electric car. And I'm very interested in it. And I'm hope to do a deal with Dan Siemens Garage. Right, okay, okay. They don't have, uh, okay, they, they don't have charging points in Dingle apart from the one. How do we compare? Surely there are charging points everywhere in Cork now. They're in garages, there are multi-story car parks. They're in, there, 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 you, there, you go to Douglas Shopping Centre, there's charging points inside in the car park. There is, yeah, but what I'm getting at is I have a brother living in Ventry. And if I have electric care and decide to go to uh, Dingle to visit him, we'll say in the last few weeks, a friend of mine went to Dingle, he had a hybrid car, and the charging point in Dingle was out of order. Oh, well, forget about it. That's why, that's why range anxiety is a big issue with people with electric cars. That's, why I, that's why I don't drive them. Yes. Well, and added I, to the fact that they're, they're very expensive too, aren't they? Well, my hybrid car was it was 58 and a half toes. 58 grand and 25% of the cost is gone the minute you drive it out the car park and the minute you drive it out the door yes, right. 58 grand mother of God 58 grand now how do you expect or how does the government expect uh, uh, someone driving with a 2017 or a 2018 car to go from that to an, an electric car no but is it Correct, but also add to that, with the cost of them being so expensive, the mass, vast majority of families with children couldn't afford 58 grand on a car. They, they couldn't, but as far as the way I look at it is, I'm living alone, I, I, I lost myself a lot of mess in her, so my Sorry family are grown up, and, um, you know, I suppose I, I, 
But you'll I never, but we, you know, okay, you might be climate aware, but will you ever make that money back and what you save? You probably will more now at the cost of it, but will you ever make that money back and the amount you save on petrol? Well, I save a fortune on petrol now at the moment. You know, the way I look at it, like, and I'm on a hybrid. But it's after putting me off now, like going to uh, an all-electric car. I spoke with a lady in Limerick the other day and she has an all-electric car. And she said, you'll have to plan your journey. Yeah, you see, I couldn't be arsed with that now. Until I such time, until, me off. Yeah, until such time as they put rechargeable solar panels on the roof, you know. Toyota bringing out a car in the middle of next year with solar panels on the roof. They'll fly, I'd say. Probably cost you 80 grand, will they? I don't know, but I, I, I won't be getting one anyway. All right, my man. Mind yourself. Thanks for the call, Fred. Thanks, Appreciate it, pal. Right. Anybody got thoughts on that? Uh, if you're having range anxiety, you're finding that there aren't enough charging points, you're finding that way too many of them are out of order or broken, text 0868104106. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 I gave this away a couple of weeks ago, but I got my hands on more. The Alpine Skate Trail opens on the 12th of November so I'm playing a Christmas song and we're talking about going skating you see where I'm going with this so you'll skate through the woodlands of Fota for a brand new skating experience the first of its kind in Ireland you can book direct to yourself on iceskating.ie but I have some double passes to give away all this week so sometime between now and midday which is only 20 minutes away you're going to hear this cue to call get on the phone to win family passes for Alpine Skate Trail right across the week have a listen that again. Okay, thank you. That's enough. When you hear that again, pick up the phone one 850 Now, I mentioned the food at the Kinsale Road Direct Provision Centre. Dear sir or madam, I live at the Kinsale Road Hostel. Please see the attached photos. We clean our own rooms, and if we want it cleaned, we ask reception. But most people do not want staff in their rooms, but it can be cleaned for you if you don't choose to do it yourself. I can tell you the food is good. We also have a state-of-the-art kitchen also to cook our own food if we wish. I'm happy to say that whoever is preparing the food at the Kinsale Road Direct Provision Centre, you should take a bow because it is some of the most incredible food I've seen in a long time in a buffet. It's the kind of thing you would see in a hotel and a hotel of quality, I have to say. Now, I'm not a medical man, so I don't know what types of food that Nadim could only eat following uh, nine days on hunger strike. But having said that, as a fellow traveller on the human planet that we live in, the planet that we live in, I'm, I'm quite sure there must be food within the photographs I've seen that would be very, very good for Nadim's health. I mean, it's just incredible, the array of food. I'm just looking here at um, one of the nicest selections of salads I've seen in years and dips. And also um, I'm looking at another photograph here that has a, a full selection of hot food and bearing in mind that it's getting a bit cold. They've adapted the menu as well. I see at least one or two different kinds of stews and casseroles. Um, there's a big Banbury tureen of soup. Um, there's a lot of rice. There's naan bread, pilo bread. Now there are there is what looks like some kind of a chicken dish. It may well be breaded, but you know if that's your thing, well and good. There seems to be a, a meat and a meat-free lasagna type. L- that looks to me like kind of like an aubergine-based lasagna here. And then there's photographs of like reams and reams of different food that just goes on and on in different sections and different food stations. So certainly, whoever's prepping the food there. 
Take a bow. It looks top class. Now, the other aspects of the direct provision centre would leave a lot to be desired. But from what I can see, certainly, certainly not the food anyway, from what I've seen. And that perhaps is the food that's on offer today. There is also then separate cooking facilities that people who might have ethnic requirements here that wish to cook their own food. They have their own state-of-the-art kitchen in which to do so. But it ain't... It ain't the uh, it ain't the food. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Very sad news as well this morning: the passing of Simon Young, late of uh, RTE, uh, the two FM DJ. He he his death was announced the weekend, and uh, you know may he rest in peace. Another good one gone. Sorry to hear that. It's very sad when you hear a colleague's passing away. Simon Young uh, dying over the over the weekend. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Um, just staying actually because I was just referencing uh, trains this morning and the grief that uh, staff have to put up with and I was wondering you know if it's that bad for the staff imagine if you were a passenger and you had to sit next to these jobs who were shouting and roaring or doing lines of cocaine off the countertops but un- and this is unrelated to this but it is another transport issue and it has to do with uh, with our buses now I, I know Tony's been driving buses for the last 40 years I don't know if they're bus errand buses or not Tony good morning Good morning. Is no, it, they're, is not it, they're not private, no, they're, is it? They're, they're, they're private, yeah. But my brother-in-law works in here inside Bus Erin, and he's on the 202 run, which have all old buses. They're all old. The seats inside them are, are very bad. The bad lads' backs and their hips. Some of the machines on the buses aren't working at, at any time, so they can't read cars. They can't take money. There's only small engines inside these buses, so they're fit to run in London, which is only one hill, I think, Notting Hill. They're, they're fit to run in Limerick and Galway. All the old buses come down to Cork. There's no no effective buses there. Where do and buses go bus- when? The, where where do buses go to die? Is it Cork? Yeah, I assume so. And then when they go in the morning to start their shift, they might go in and get say number bus such a thing, and they might have to go to one bus, two, three, four. There's no fuel. There's no ad blue. There's no coolant in them. There's no inspectors checking tickets or passes renting. Then the boys get a five hour shift inside those buses with the bad seating, and bus here was fined forty thousand euros for not covering services only last month. And then when they do their two days off, they have their 40 hours off, then they bring them back in at 6 o'clock in the morning. They get how many hours off? They get two days off. Yeah. And, when, and then they're back in then on, say, they get Friday and Saturday off, Saturday and Sunday off. They're back in Monday morning at 6 o'clock. And f- forgive me now, but what, what's wrong with that? Well, sure, like, if you have two days off, at least you can say start at 12 or start at 11. Okay, No, right. start at 6. No, they're like, that's all, but, like, the like, dangers are too small for them. They're inferior buses from the north of Ireland. They have to buy those buses to... to Due to peace agreement, they have to buy them from Wright Brothers, which is now owned by the man from JCB. Are they second hand when they come down? Do we ever get well, new No, no, well, well, they, they buy new ones, and like we get some new ones for some routes, but all the old ones are on the 202 run. That's the, the that's the, that would be what? The Black Rock Mahan run? Black Rock Mahan, uh, Grand, uh, Holly Hill, of that side. So the worst, the worst buses are on the highest hills? Correct. And there's a small engines inside them. Do, they, they, break, keep breaking do down. they break down when they're out and about with passengers on board? Constantly. Constantly. And if you ring for the mechanics, you know, my pal was watching there a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, up in Holly here by the Apple. The man came up with his jumper pack to start the bus, and his, his jumper pack wasn't uh, charged. He had to go away and get another mechanic up with the one that was charged. And if you break down tomorrow between six, the garage doesn't start at eight o'clock. So if you're between six and eight, you have to wait for somebody to come out, yeah? But the bus... Okay. Is that because there's not enough mechanics or what? I assume so. Okay, but you know those buses, when they're on the road, do they have to have the equivalent to our NCT? That, no, I don't know. I think they're tested, all right? They're tested, but they're tested, no, I I couldn't tell you. But they're not... Then they're going along, you can hear them going along the road just inside them. They're banging at each other. They're inferior machines. 
inferior like they can buy better you know and tell me you know with all regard this COP22 or whatever they were got 21 at the moment um, are they diesel buses or are they diesel diesel okay. diesel. so we don't do we have any hybrid buses or electric buses or anything no not down here I don't think they, and they go to Dublin <laughs> not down here they go to Dublin so, so we, we have diesel. so we have buses belching out fumes and smoke and pollution then they're the ones, yeah. They're the ones. That's, if, if they're starting only, if they're starting in the morning for the lads, because they, they, they can get three or four buses before they get to one night and start. What do they do? They go out for their shift and they just go in and see if it'll start. If it won't, they go to the next one. Yeah, well, he has to go in. They go in and, and they give him a number for a bus. He goes in to start that. That won't start. He goes back to the man. He gives him another bus. That might even start. Then they have to jump start them. Mother of so God! It's, it, and the seats are the same seats inside them for the last five or six years, and the lads are complaining all the time about their backs and their hips. The seats are rotten. They're very bad seating inside. Very sounds, bad. Sounds far from ideal, you know. Very bad. Very bad. You know? So how how does you get people like to walk? Well, they can't come on the phone to you because they lose their job. <laughs> it happened before, you know. I won't go into I the know. details of it, but uh, know, yeah. you know, yeah, it happened before. I feel very sorry for the poor misfortune. Far from far from ideal, I can tell you. That's true altogether. So I how old are they? Life. Like, how old would a Cork bus be on the two hundred two? Ten years old, more. Some some be two thousand nine, some be twelve, some be fourteen, some be fifteen. But there's never a new one there. It's sent elsewhere. It's, it's in it's in Cork City, but they get the buses from the boys in Galway get new ones in Waterford. Then the Galway ones and the, the Limerick ones are sent down here to they like down to us. Why? Why are we paddy last? That I don't know. That no, we couldn't tell you. And are you telling yeah. me that the drivers are fed up of it, but they can't speak up? Yes, correct. They have been on to union reps and everything. They're, 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 it's gone way beyond belief. No, they, they keep on like saying it. So if you say anything, they're going to just look at you. And no? what what kind of bu- are, the buses you're driving are private coach, so would they be good? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're all brand new. 2000, uh, to the 19s and 20s, all brand new ones. And do you, you, I, I can remember the day, actually, because way back in the day, we had a driver, we had a conductor, and you could be damn sure if you were trying to dodge a fare, an inspector would get on board. Those days are well gone checking fares, aren't they? God, there's nobody checking fares, nobody checking passes, nobody checking nothing. You don't have to have an inspector anymore if you pay on the door, though, you see. I know, I know that, but, so, but sometimes like, the machines won't work. So if the machines won't work, the lads can't take the money. So, so the lads just... can't take the money, the state's losing, the state's losing revenue. But when that happens, they just let the punter on the bus, surely, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Like, right. them, like, the, like the machines are working, they say, carry on, carry on. Okay. You know, well, thanks for highlighting that, because I would love to talk to somebody who's actually driving them. I won't give out their personal details or information to anybody if they'd like to get in touch and to share their own experiences, all right? Okay, no, what I need. Thanks very much. All right, cheers, Tony. Take care. So all if right. you are within, um, you know, bus Aaron and you're driving the buses and you concur, agree or disagree with Tony, do get in touch. I will never, ever pass on personal details to anybody at all, ever. Don't ever worry about that. So do get in touch. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Text 0868-104-106. Now, I know I played a Christmas song and she wears the harm in it. And maybe tomorrow we might play another. We might even play two. We might even play a one a day. <laughs> oh, we're only just over Halloween. Um, and I remember last year having great crack uh, with the lead into Halloween. We spoke to John A. We spoke to Con, Cork's oldest trick-or-treaters. Well, they were out and about again last night and they brought a new trick-or-treater with them in the shape of Martin uh, from Ballancolic. They figure they're Cork's oldest trick-or-treaters uh, and they've been doing it for many, many years. If I remember correctly, I think it's somewhere up around mid-Cork. I'm open to correction there. Um, probably wrong. John A., good morning. 
Morning, Neil. How's it going? 62 year old trick or treater. So you headed out yesterday. Where'd you go? Where did you guys actually travel to? Well, I tell you, know, um, yesterday reminded me of Willie Nelson's great song called On the Road Again, Back <laughs> on the Road Again. You know? <laughs> yeah, crazy person. <laughs> I wish that the last night, but Con couldn't come yesterday because he was doing his charity work. Well, we collected him later on in the evening. So we start around four o'clock. Con, what were you we dressed as? A clown, is it? Yeah, oh, I, I like look like a clown. I didn't have to plan too much stuff. That's uh, it. <laughs> That's <laughs> a big red nose on you, yeah? I did. I had a big red nose and white eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so where'd you go? Well, I started in uh, out in the, would you believe, Carrick Tool. We have a lovely friend from Poland out there. She's Agnieszka and a lovely daughter, Gia. Uh, Gaia. So we went travelling in... Carrick Tool Park, and I tell you now, straightforward, they were the nicest people who ever come across in the park. Everybody was involved, there were people everywhere, all the mothers and fathers out, and everybody in the houses were giving sweets. And they were all dressed, some of the people in the houses were dressed up as Batman, there was Wolfman, there was, you know, we were delighted with it. That was fantastic. (laughs) Does anybody say to you when you knock at the door, would you give up, would you go in and cop yourself on, you're in your 60s? No, they were, I say they were delighted to see us. They were, they were in great costume and they were happy, delighted to see us. Well, we know Con yeah, was the clown. How were you? How were you dressed? Me? Yeah. I was a zombie. I was a zombie. <laughs> so, so what did you get? Did you get? Uh... We got sweets. We got loads of sweets, and uh, we got the bucket of water again. Neil, the last housing ovens, all relations of the O'Connors. They had a bucket of water ready for us, but. <laughs> We didn't know person last night. We didn't know young fella last night. Yeah, he's only a young fella. He's only in his 50s. He's 50. He's only 50 years, right? Martin! Hello, hello. Just coming down off the ladder here on my ground after hanging out with these two guys last night. Hey. Hey. So, I'm the blowing, Neil. I'm the blowing. I just joined them later, but I love it. I love going on with them. They're two great guys. And you dressed as a pirate, were you? A pirate and a sheet, and uh, I never saw so many lollipops in my life. So I, I got so many lollipops and sweets too, Neil. <laughs> How did you get dragged? How did you get dragged into this? I met I met John in, in the pub, and 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 we uh, we clicked straight away, and I, I knew him from before, and we we joined up then, and we do anything that goes on, we we join up, and we go out for a bit of fun, and and a bit of laughter, and it's brilliant. Did you enjoy it? The pirate, the clown, and the zombie. Did you enjoy it, Martin? Yeah, we're three amigos. Three amigos. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neil, yeah, the people uh, last night, the people in, in, in the Carrick Tour could not get over the amount of people and, and mums and dads and kids. It was brilliant. And every house, every house was so welcome and it was beautiful to see it. I got a, I got, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, lads. Martin, Con, and John. I got an email in from Claire. She says, Please, would you ever put out a message in future for parents to check their kids' trick or treat bags? My daughter got a bag of sweets this evening, which was last night, that was gone off. One item, the bag of sweets was from, <laughs> was from 2014. Another bag she got in another house was 2018. Another one 2019. And another one 2020. This is disgraceful and dangerous, giving out-of-date sweets to kids. <laughs> How do you think of that? Well, they'd, they'd have been suitable for us. They'd actually have been young. Where the oldest, where the, the oldest doing it, and we're still surviving. We're all the best we've got down through the years, Neil. So I don't take too much notice. <laughs> you don't, you don't check the best before days of the sweets you're scoffing, no? No, 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 no. no. We're, we're, we're healthy, and we're. we're I think I'm the, the worst with the sweets is that you've got a lot of weight and I have a lot of weight now to carry. 
Who's got the lot of weight? I have, there was a big wire to make it fat, but I had to take that out because it was it, it, it was squashing my stomach. It was fitted you last year, did it? Oh, it fitted me last year, but it, it, it was after coming away out, you know, all the extra sweets we get. But you know something? We're all of a generation, actually, where the best before date on sweets wouldn't bother us. For we were we were picking up chewing gum off the road. Do you remember that? And then... So, so, no? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? And you, no, we used to stick the rest of it in under the you, you were the lucky one. You were, you were the chewing gum gum. Chewing gum gum before we came along. No, probably I probably picked up yours. But sometimes yeah. the chewing gum that you pick up off the road would have little little stones and and small little pebbles in. <laughs> Yeah, but next year, no, Neil, you might join us. We'll collect you some night that night and we'll bring you over with us. To be, yeah. you'd, have a, you'd have an unbelievable time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be washing my hair. Uh, and you know what my what I'm doing at the moment? <laughs> I'm actually training a chicken to play the piano. You are, yeah, yeah. How are you getting and, on and with I, that? I call the chicken Frankenstein. <laughs> What, what, am I supposed to laugh at that? Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Frankenstein is uh, in the piano. Neil, you, should give, you should give a call out to Crossbarry, out to Connor's place. It's unbelievable. In fact, all his own style and technique. Oh, he's, he's, um, he's yeah, we put up a little bit of the display, you know, like the flying ghosts and things like that. Frankenstein. We, we usually do it for charity, but we didn't click this year or last year because of the COVID, and <laughs> we didn't want people kind of mixing too much, you know, handling money. And well, you just there. wanted the chocolates this year. <laughs> <laughs> we've moved on lads actually we've, we're in Christmas mode now you know yeah, yeah, Christmas isn't yeah. the same as Halloween at all Christmas will never beat Halloween because like Christmas only for people with pressure of cooking and getting people people they don't want in the house, yeah. they come to the house. Yeah. Halloween is like you give them sweets and you send them home you know you can't get people home at Christmas you know it's that kind of <laughs> Halloween yeah. oh my god yeah. almighty did but you there was, have there was all the uh, even the kids last night even the older kids were out blowing carry tools so just great they were all dressed up as well and you couldn't get over it oh no it's out. bigger now than ever because there's so much choice available you can buy costumes yeah. everywhere and anywhere there's a whole range of things you can do I know but there's yeah. always better off made because all I, mean, I know now we were saying we buy them but everything is homemade practically with, with us yeah do you have I mean what? Was, we just cut a hole in an old sheet and put it over his head and he got an old hat Martin had yeah. a pirate's costume, you might talking about, didn't you, Martin? Oh, yeah, well, it's got to look piratey. 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 I wore a sheet. 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 I but uh, she yeah, wasn't too well. At, she wasn't too well at the moment, so she couldn't come over us. But Martin joined us then, you know. So we yeah. can't have the three yeah. amigos now. But we'll we'll see what happens when the fourth joins us or the fifth. <laughs> yeah, what's the minimum age? It's fifty. <laughs> no, yeah. no one below that age, you know. <laughs> we missed. We missed. Uh, we missed. We missed. Yeah, Ducky this year we missed her yeah she's normally with us she's not she's brilliant as well yeah right, okay. Ducky. <laughs> maybe you might go out and yeah. do the ran the ran the king of all birds Stevens's day yeah. what do you think of that. Yeah. But you know we can't sing. We can't sing. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I, could my, I could bring my chicken with you. Me could bring, and, and you could bring you could bring Frank Henstein. Yeah, <laughs> but Neil, John, John, John has a big basket of all different costumes and makeup and paint features. You're not believable. And he has his own mirror now to get himself fully look well. Yeah, the makeup. So, just yeah. what I'm curious now: when you got all of these sweets and chocolates together, do you all three of you then sit down and eat them somewhere? No, I keep them. I keep them back in the care for another year. 
was he, I, I was in the back of the car with John and I had nearly half mine eaten before I got to Ballincollig even last night. I swear to God. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We won't have to have any dinner now for a week. You're laughing. No, right. no. But, uh, you might join us sometime, Neil. Oh, sorry, I'm going into and, uh, a tunnel. You're breaking up. <laughs> hey, hey, one thing, Neil, I must, I must give you one small challenge. I must give you one small challenge. I wear the, the Paris outfit sometime and I invite you out to... Oh, it's a beautiful place on Lakewood there. I know you like the tennis, Lakewood tennis dog, and you'll be more than welcome sometime. We'll have a hit, is it? Yeah, we'll have a hit. I have a hit, and I plan my costume, and I says, I challenge you, I challenge you. Okay. I'll take you up on that challenge the trick or treating I might pass anyway talk soon guys well done cheers well done thank you (laughs) next year hey tell you what next year come into studio dressed up right we will we will we will I was in uh, I was in your studio before in the ERI going back to the old days with um, you Brown and yourself and John Blake and the old days so I'll give a call into Red FM myself and John and uh, well listen I'd love to have you back because that's certainly back in the 80s you're talking about so it'd be good to see you again the the road shows uh, Folly and uh, I never saw I never got so much links and perfume off he's showing his age he's showing his age but we'll come in to see John he's the main man that's down to you then John get it sorted John A we'll see you soon cheers lads John A Con and Martin the three amigos and Frank Henstein I don't know is there a serious side to giving gone off sweets to kids for trick or treating I mean what harm could it actually do I don't know about 2014 but certainly something that's 12 months or a couple of years out of date mother of god we ate all sorts of stuff when we were kids I mean they were going around picking up fag butts off the road back then it was a different world. It's a bit like, don't even get me started. Have you seen the amount of food that's available now for dogs, whether it's canned or whether it's the dried food for dogs? It's for dogs that are underweight, dogs that are overweight, dogs that have diabetes, dogs that have blood pressure, all sorts of stuff. Oh, my God. Is all that for real? Or is there a lot of marketing where people have been made total dopes out of? I mean, years and years ago, the dog was a dog. It lived in the garage and it ate whatever was left off the plates on the kitchen dining room table. Times have changed. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.